I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to another episode of the Fail Critics Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Lamborn, standing in for the legendary Steve Norman, who's having a little break for the festivities, but don't worry, he'll be back with us in the new year. I'm joined, as always, by co-host Owen Hughes. Hello. Phil Sharman of the Wiki Shuffle Podcast. Hello. And Callum Petch. Hello. How are you all doing, guys? You had a good Christmas? Very good, thank you. Got to see lots of family, friends. Uh, how about you, Matt? Did you enjoy yours? Mine has been, um, I've been giving it up for my wife, if you want to put it that way, um, basically doing everything she wants to do, visiting family, doing shopping, not doing a whole bunch of stuff that I actually want to do, but I'm earning brownie points along the way, so hopefully I can <laughs> cash them in in the new year and actually do some fun stuff. Uh, Phil, how about you? What have you been up to for Christmas? Nothing too exciting, really. Um, we've taken a, a month-long break from podcasting, which has been nice. And other than that, just your usual Christmassy tide things. But you've had loads of podcasts. You're all on podcasts this month. You, Jack, and uh, Chris. There's Pick yeah. a Flick I was listening to, the Christmas special. You've had three Wicked Shuffle Christmas specials. That's right, yeah, but yeah. we recorded them all at the beginning of December. Yeah, that's the way to do it. <laughs> A busy crew indeed. And how about you, Carl? Have you been up to anything interesting, seeing any good flicks? It's always best not to ask me about my personal life unless you want things to get miserable. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's just be professional. I've been spending my time um, getting back into the writing swing of things. And so I've got my week-long sets of year-end pieces, three quarters written. So those are going up daily over the next week. You can find countpatch.com. One stop shop for all things Callum Hedge. If for some reason you want to find all things Callum Hedge. I'll look forward to reading those because I've missed, bit, you know, you haven't really been putting out much content lately because lately, I guess you've been busy with other things. So, yeah. I've I'm... been stupidly busy and I've been, and that's exactly why I've, I'm writing like eight articles for the space of a week. So, <laughs> so Callum's going to end the year of a limp wrist, but with that we shall swiftly. <laughs> Very good. So, as you all should be aware, this episode is going to be covering the Fail Critics 2015 End of Year Awards, which is one of our biggest shows, if not the biggest show of the year, where we all discuss what we think have been the best movies and the big prize winners and all the various top film categories. 
Hopefully you've all put your votes in. You've had a couple of weeks to do so, and we've appreciated all the ones who've responded to us with that. But before we get into the awards, I think Owen has one of his tried and tested quizzes for us to have a crack at before we get into the serious business. Tried and tested. Uh, it's going to be as shambolic as ever. Here. Or Steve's not here, so it has a slightly higher chance of not being a shambles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, controversial. Anyway. Oh man, here's quiz on the Christmas podcast. I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask you to listen to it because we've all been very busy. But no offence, Steve, but that was the worst <laughs> quiz we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so hopefully this one will be slightly less shambolic than usual, but probably not. We'll see. Uh, basically what, have low expectations yeah that's it i'll lower everyone's expectations and then when they go in it'll be slightly better like star wars um, Ooh. <laughs> anyway so to celebrate the lives of some of the actors who uh passed away this year i've created a quiz based around a few of them oh how maudlin yeah a bit macabre but we'll, we'll go with it <laughs> Merry christmas um so what's going to happen is i'm going to tell you the name of one of the actors who died in 2015 uh, all you have to do is tell me the name of the film of theirs that i am describing so i'll give you clues up to five clues and you each get one guess per actor to tell me what film it is um so just shout out your name if you think you know it the game ends when we've either been through all of the actors i've got 10 of them that i've got listed here or when somebody becomes the first to guess three correctly. Uh, okay, so first I've got Maureen O'Hara, who died this year. Who? So... <laughs> good start, good start yeah, that one. Yeah. But hopefully the clues will give you an idea as to what the film is. It's, it's a pretty well-known film. So the first clue is, my neighbour is a lawyer. That's the first clue as to what the film is. And I'll be surprised. Is this your neighbour or Maureen O'Hara's name? Maureen O'Hara, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I thought he was talking about his wife. <laughs> that would be a, an extremely like vague clue, wouldn't it? My neighbour's a lawyer. What film is he thinking of? Um, second clue, uh, my job is an event organiser. Okay. No guesses at uh, all so far? No. Okay. Uh, the third clue is, I work for the department store Macy's in New York. Miracle on 34th Street. Miracle on 34th Street. Well done, Callum. One point in the bag. <laughs> okay, so next person is Gunnar Hansen. First clue. In my first scene, I use a hammer. No. In my second, I use a meat hook. Okay. Third clue, I'm fond of masks. Is it Saw? It's not Saw. No, Saw's Tobin Bell. Mm. Number four, I'm particularly fond of masks that are made out of human... Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Massacre. Oh, I think Matt just got yeah, in there ahead. Uh... <laughs> just at the post. I feel like I'm playing scene it, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's kind of Christmassy. I'm, like of... I'm, like I'm back to being like nine years old, staring at the screen and just being confused about everything. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I suppose it is quite similar, um, except these people are dead. So, Omar Sharif <laughs> is the next one. <laughs> First clue is, I'm a master criminal. Okay, no one's having a guess. Second one, at first, people think I'm dead, and then my wife explains that I probably fell into the mincer during a failed attempt to rob the safe from a food processing plant. No, I feel I should know this, but it's escaping me at the moment. I pop up again near the end of the film, revealing that I'm still alive and help out the main character. For some reason, I want to guess Pink Panther, but it's probably wrong. 
It's not Pink Panther, but I think he was in one of the Pink Panther sequels, but it's not the one. It's not like Day of the Jackal or something like that, is it? It's not Day of the Jackal, no. And fourth clue, the main character, this is for you, Phil, because okay. <laughs> there's no one else in the game. The main character is a probation officer. A probation officer. And the final clue, which hopefully will give it away now, he's played by Steve Coogan. The parole officer? Is that what it was called? It is the parole officer. Crikey, yeah. I'd forgotten wow. about the existence of that film. <laughs> As apparently did everybody but Owen. So. Yeah. <laughs> Don't say that about Omar Sharif. I'm sure he's well remembered for his bit part role in that 2001 low budget British comedy. Yeah, I can't imagine it's going to be his most renowned <laughs> role. <laughs> no, I think he's probably most well known for... Lawrence of the Arabia. Uh, Lawrence of the Arabia. Lawrence of, of Arabia. the Arabias. <laughs> yeah. Lawrence <laughs> of Arabia, in which he was nominated for an Oscar for supporting actor. You didn't, want, you didn't want to make it too easy on us or anything, did you, Owen? The, it will get easier, I promise. A, there's a few biggies coming up. But perhaps not this guy. Robert Zadar is the next one. Who? And the first clue is, I'm first seen insulting the main characters. And you probably won't get it unless you knew who Robert Zadar was straight away. Okay, second one, I play a prisoner. All right. Third clue, my big scene is a brawl in a boiler room with two cops. All right, the next clue might give it away entirely. One of the cops... Is it Tango and Cash? It's Tango and yeah. Cash! I love yeah, that. I was the fellow with the jaw, isn't it? I knew the name. He is. I knew yeah. I knew the name. Yeah. In fact, his character is called the jaw. Yes. That. So, yep. Um, the next clue was going to be one of the cops is Kurt Russell, and then the final clue was the other cop is Sylvester Stallone. So, well done, Phil. Oh, now I want to go and watch Tango and Cash. <laughs> I, I'm just going to give up on this whole podcast and go and yeah. watch Tango and Cash. <laughs> we'll be convened. Don't worry. Okay. The next is someone only known by the name Oogie. Okay. Oh, the artist. Callum has a point. Oh, <laughs> the dog. The dog, yes. Passed away at the age of 13, I think. Aww. Yeah. Won an award at Cannes Film Festival, but was ineligible for BAFTA and Academy Award. Oh! Dogist! <laughs> Speciesist! Yeah. Um, okay, the next one. Sorry for ruining that one. That's <laughs> okay. No. Um, Gary Owens. And I will be... Incredibly surprised if any of you got it from that. First clue, I'm one of the pilots who discovers the aliens. The film is often derided as the worst movie of all time. Plan 9 from Outer Plan space. space. Plan 9 from Outer Space, and we have a winner. Oh, Bloody hell. Well done, <laughs> Phil. So there we go. That well, is the that quiz. That was a tremendous quiz. Well done, Erin. I think you actually did quite a good job with that one. Managed to get through it's... without any controversy whatsoever. Well, I can see you kicking his ass there, sir. Just like flip the results at the last second and make you the winner. <laughs> yeah, so winner was Phil, second was Callum, and third, sorry, was Matt. That's okay. Yeah. I'll live. There's always another quiz, another year. <laughs> It 
it's the time of year where we celebrate all our favourite things in film for 2015. Uh, we've done epic award shows in the past, which have had some slightly predictable sometimes and sometimes very weird results. And I'm keen to find out what direction we've gone in for this year. Again, thank you for all those who have taken the time to vote. And I'm sure Owen's had a hell of a lot of fun over Christmas collating the results for this. So without further ado, let's get stuck in. So I think the first category we're going to be discussing is the best soundtrack and score of 2015. So Owen, bring yes. us in what has been highly rated amongst the listenership for soundtracks this year. We had quite a lot of votes, actually, um, for every category. This one in particular, we had 25 different films chosen for best soundtrack, which I thought was quite a lot. I I thought it would be between about six or seven different films. So that's quite impressive. So thank you to everyone who submitted something different. Do you guys, before we actually reveal the winners, remember which films you've chosen? I'm pretty sure I know which one I've gone for. Yeah, which one would have been your top then, Matt? I think, um, for me personally, just because the film hinges on the brilliance of the soundtrack and the subject matter in general, straight out of Compton, Mm. was sublime. Recreating that early 90s vibe and the emergence of gangster rap, for lack of a better word, it really set the tone of the movie. So in isolation, the soundtrack was excellent. Its use in the film was outstanding and really made the film much more enjoyable for me. So I'm quite happy to cast that in as my vote for, for the best soundtrack of the year. Mm. Mm. Well, I, I'm, I'm sorry to report it didn't make the top three. Wowzers. Got a top That's three. surprising. Yeah, yeah. You weren't the only person to vote for it, but yeah, it didn't, didn't make the top three, unfortunately. What did come in at third... The third best soundtrack is one that both I and Phil voted for, is It Follows. Yeah, definitely. So it it's so now in it the direction that it's looking at. It's got that, that synthy, 80s throwback, really immersive noise that is used mm. so consistently throughout the film that yeah it's a it's a really powerful and it, it's of its own thing as well you you can you'd be able to tell straight away what it was that you were you're getting yourself into fantastic bit of music i volunteer at our local community shop sometimes and i was just cleaning one evening because <clears throat> we go end on the evening and just sweep up the floor and you know all that kind of Work. stuff clean the counters yeah and whilst I was doing it, sometimes I just put on a podcast, sometimes I put on music, and I put on the It Follows score as I was cleaning. And uh, my wife came to, to sort of pick me up and she knocked on the door. It's like, what is going on in here? You can hear it from outside. It's like there's a rave going on. <laughs> it was, uh, I found it quite, quite a good piece of music to start cleaning a shop to, if that's helpful to anybody. Wow. Um, it's, what, it's what I want them for scores to my horror movies, uh, shop yeah. cleaning music. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so at second, just above uh, it follows, was Carol. Quite a few people voted for the score to Carol mm. as uh, second best film of, of 2015. Okay, but top, a clear winner was Mad Max Fury Road. Because it's the only correct answer. <laughs> so, yeah, you picked that as your first choice, Callum. Yeah. Why so? Listen to the fucking thing. <laughs> when Mad Max inevitably gets picked, it inevitably steamrolls over pretty much everything. I'd like to warn you in advance, my thing is just going to be, like, my answer is going to be either ultimately just listen to the thing or just watch the thing. Because, like I said, I discovered whilst writing my top, like, my entry for the top list of 
it's kind of hard to like like the film's like so perfectly brought together in that there that it's hard to analyze one individual bit on its own because of the way it all works and also it's a cliche in that there but like jay does speak and just like the the pounding fall of momentum with those the drums and the way they work in the act like the specific tribal war music about that into the film itself uh, with duff warrior and the guitar and that there, and the way it's able to evoke like like, it's just like it fits basically like it just fits perfectly that's a fair point but do you think Callum that um listening to it in isolation so outside the movie it's as entertaining as it is as part of the film because the first thing I did after seeing the movie which I adore was go and download the soundtrack for this and it was good on its own but without the accompaniment of what's going on in the film it wasn't nearly as exciting Mm. If that uh, makes sense. Yeah, bits of it. Yeah, like brothers. Like nothing can nothing can destroy brothers in arms for me. Like the track brothers in arms and that there. Like that's fantastic. Not the Dire Straits one, but like the one featured on the soundtrack of Mad Max Fury Road by John Gixell. But yeah, like again, like, yeah, it's like that thing of like when I think of perfect score, like best scores in that there. Usually, they're ones that are able to just perfectly like back a sequence of movie. Like that's what like those are the kind of soundtracks that I, that I prefer. Like ones that perfectly match what is on screen and help feed into the narrative and drive forward the film that way. So um, that's it. I mean, if I was to look at like scores and soundtracks, like on my own this year, the best one was Eden because that's nothing but French house and French garage and French disco. <laughs> and like, yes, thank you. But um, you yeah, know, like in terms of how it feeds, it's from Mad Max Fury Road's best, best soundtrack of the year. Phil, did you have any outstanding contributions in regards to soundtrack? Anything that really stood out for you? Well, my feeling with Mad Max was I came out of the cinema, I had so much that I was taking away from the film that my reflection didn't even touch upon the soundtrack. There was just too much else going on that I was completely in love with. The, the, the soundtrack for Mad Max didn't leave that much of an impression, and now I feel quite guilty about that, and I ought to go back and do a, <laughs> do a revisit. Um, my number one vote that I put forward was for Birdman, mm-hmm. yeah. um, just because it was so integrated with what was going on it was so a part of the film um and it was so front and center that i really liked the way that it was built in there and it, it was a bit obvious in places but it, it was done with such gusto that um that was that made it my number one choice sure yeah i agree oh, yeah it was quite it fantastic <laughs> yeah so yeah. just to recap before we move on in third place was it follows in second was Carol, and top was Mad Max Fury Road. I think we better get used to seeing Mad Max topping some of these categories. Unless it's best original song, in which case the correct answer is Sean the Sheep movie. Just mention that, let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, swiftly so moving on. Uh, our next category is best documentary. I think it's been a fairly decent year for documentaries, even if some of our resident critics don't think it's been the very best year in general for films. But I think... Gee, I wonder who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think documentaries haven't been too bad, so let's jump straight in and find out which ones have been stewing the interest of the listeners and the people who voted. So, Owen, you want to bring us in on this one? Sure. Let's just jump back to a, something, a point that you just made, because I think there's quite an interesting topic, um, an interesting question there, which is about whether 2015 has actually been a good year for films, regardless of just documentaries. I mean, we'll come on to Callum Black. I think Callum's just going to say Phil, Matt, what do you guys think of, of this past year? Have you, would you consider it a good year for film? If I speak from a personal level, um, it's been very poor. I've seen about 10% of total films that Callum's seen this year. <laughs> and that's because I live in a movie backwater 
on the Isle of Man, unfortunately. And once a film gets very popular over here, the theatres tend to keep it there because there's only a couple of screens per cinema. There's only two cinemas on the Isle of Man. Yeah, and they require tickets to some of them, don't they, Matt? <laughs> yeah, especially on <laughs> Valentine's Day. Anyway, um, but... That's so, a joke. If anyone goes back and listens to our Fifty Shades of Grey podcast, yeah. there's a great anecdote from Matt on there about his Valentine's Day. But <laughs> moving on, as you were saying... Some people would say it was deliberate, but anyway. Um, so it's been personally a poor year for me, but out of the ones that I did see and frequented at my local cinema... All the action for me happened in the first half of the year and sort of tailed off the last six months where there was very little of interest for me that came out. So I would say the first half of the year for me was good. Second, almost totally uninterested, unfortunately, with what was coming out up until Star Wars a couple of weeks ago. And then it sort of perked my interest again. What about you, Phil? Um, I've had a year of watching less films than I, fewer films than I would normally, uh, than I have in previous years, which has been just due to my general workload and busyness. Um, and yeah, there's been a lot of dross, definitely. And, but the few standout films that there have been, have been spectacular. So although the numbers of great films hasn't been wonderful, the quality of those, I feel like there's a good three or four films that have come out this year that could feasibly make it into a top 10 list of all time, very close. So, yeah, it's difficult because you don't have the distance. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I was the way that I was ranking my films for the end of year was I was looking at all those that on Letterboxd I'd logged as either um, four stars or four and a half stars. For 2015 releases, I'd given none of them. Not a single one had received four and a half stars. The highest was four stars out of five, that is, by the way. Wow. So I'm not You're sure... You're a hard man to please. <laughs> I mean, even the films that I've really liked... I'm not sure I, I could agree that there were, there were films that have been released in 2015 that I will sort of slot into an all-time top 10. I'm, um, I'm a little bit disappointed with, with the year. As one other podcaster is on here at the moment, I believe, Callum. Mr. Patch. Allow me to share with you folks the first line of my top list of 2015 article. Um, to paraphrase one of the great wordsmiths of our time, MacGruber, it's been a fucking asshole of a year. Insert, MacGruber is certainly a much better comedy than basically any comedy that came out in the year 2015. It's been a fucking die for comedy, it really has. Um, I saw. You mean you didn't like Vacation? Oh, no. See, I, I wonder why I wouldn't like Vacation, mm. Owen. Um, yeah. yeah, no, like, I, I saw 172 new release films in 2015. Once you strip out the award season holdovers and the 2014. Like, like I'm a film from 2014, inexplicably took it like forever to get here. John Wick that drops <laughs> to a still ridiculous like 157. Of those, there are 16 that I genuinely think are fantastic. Like 16 movies that I would have gone up to people on the street and just gone, "You need to see this movie. This movie is fantastic." Before I have my annual year end like speed catch up session where I catch up on stuff that didn't come out around here and stuff like that, that number was 13. 13 of 157. Like, like last year, in 2014, before I even did the catch-up session, I could have filled a top 20, easily. In fact, I did, as well. But this year, in my t- like, you know, I'm going to share a little secret with you here. My top 20, numbers 17 to 20, are basically just filled with films I really like instead of love. Technically, it should be a top 16 instead of top 30. That said, the very few films I did love, I loved. Like, I love, like, the top, my, like, my personal top four, especially, are 
I genuinely believe are some of the best films I've ever seen. Like, that's some of my all-time favourites. Hmm. Well, what about documentaries then? I find it a good year for documentaries. There were some really interesting movies that I saw that I, that I, I liked a lot. Um, so, Callum, hmm. which documentaries did you choose that were uh, particularly highly rated for you? I think I only saw four documentaries this year. Um, but... The two that, like the two that I did love, and that they're actually in my top twenty anyway, and they're the films I loved, which are the Look of Silence, mm-hmm. which is the what, probably the most important documentary of the entire century so far, like of the entire like decade so far. More so than the Act of Killing. Yes, um, because like in a way, I genuinely think this might be better than the Act of Killing because. Although the act of killing is, of course, more daring because it's from the perspective of the people responsible for the um, Indonesian killings of 1965-1966. And also, but, but at the same time, it's also sort of more distancing because of the meta text element, so like the meta wraparound element of them making a film of their own exploits. I mean, it's occasionally you get these kind of like weird dreamlike imagery kind of things mm-hmm. that there, which, probably, which kind of feel like a reprieve, you know, like, kind of like a sort of distancing feel here. By contrast, Look of Silence is more traditional because it's, you know, follows... Um, one forty-year-old man who was not alive during the killings, but who had a brother who was, you know, executed during the killings, whatever, and has and puts him face to face with the people responsible as he, you know, asks him to do what he did. Like he puts a human face onto the element here. So in a way, it's more traditional, but at the same time, because it's got that human element, because they've actually got somebody who was affected by these killings sat down in front of them, in front of these people here, mm-hmm. it makes it that much harder to watch and that much more bleak and that much more miserable. Because even then, as they still, you know, deny distance, p- try and push the blame onto somebody else, or in one moment about there, straight up tell him that if people like him keep keep asking the people responsible to admit what they did, they will have to be another set of killings to you know to silence these people. It's horrifically just bleak and hard to watch. There's a lot of fear from those people about yeah. this guy coming in to enact revenge. Yeah. They all seem I, to think he's he's after revenge, and he's not. He's just after yeah. some kind That's of me. remorse. All or... he all he wants is like an apology and to understand. Like he yeah. wants to, he, but more than anything, he just wants to understand why they did it, and they just refuse to give it to him. And mm-hmm. that's like, in a way, it, I, I can understand why some people might think it's slightly more uplifting than the act of killing because you know like, it shows a sense of the, you know, that people, like people like Adi, are trying to force you know, like, conversation mm-hmm. onto people. We go, but the same, I actually find it even bleaker because of how little people yeah. f- refuse to grapple with this question, how, like the um, sheer atrocities that are committed, putting that human face there, and then. This quietly chilling moment during the credits where you suddenly realise that at least one fifth of the names are just anonymous. Like like yeah, as, as you realise yeah. that the threat of violence earlier on is not empty and that this can and that this is a genuine real thing that happens every day. It's just it's so again, it's so yeah. important and people need to watch it. Seems a lot of other people agreed with you and me that the look of silence was a good documentary because it's number five in our list. Five? Number five, Fuck there were off. four better documentaries. If, Above if, it, if John on is higher than that there, then I'm going to be pissed, I'll tell you now. No, it's, I think you might have been the only person to vote for that, Callum. Um, <laughs> but Cobain, Montage of Heck is above it. Oh, I knew there was something fourth. I forgot to watch this year. I, lo- I really enjoyed Montage of Heck. I think that might have been my top choice, actually. Above that was Going Clear, Scientology and the Prisoner Belief, which is a very popular documentary, I think because it tackles something that we often get told people are scared to talk about. Mm. But if you watch it, it's not really that... Well, I didn't think it was that revealing, that shocking. They it just kind of... They really struggled to find a narrative in there for me. They did, yeah. Um, yeah. It might also be a fact, of, if I remember, it was shown on TV as well. So that's one way of like, making more people have seen it. Yeah, true, true. So what, what did you think of it then, Phil? 
Um, I thought it was interesting subject matter and it was historically important that there's obviously something of a sea change happening where this is something that is able to be talked about for the first time and that's only going to continue and mm-hmm. there seems to be a change in the way that Scientology is behaving within itself. But as a documentary and as a piece of storytelling, they didn't have the the narrative arc that it needed to make me feel any real personal connection with the people that they were talking to. There was too much of a fact fascination with the celebrity element of it which obviously a lot of the people watching that's what they're going to care about and I'd be lying if I said it didn't intrigue me as well Um, but I'd have liked to have felt a little bit more of a a chronology behind it and as if we were we were feeling somebody's story rather than just glimpses into Mm. mythology was that's a very good summary actually yeah Uh, okay so above going clear in second place was cartel land which I really, I think that was one of the best documentaries of the year. I voted for it in in my list. I think I put it in second or third. And lots of other people agree. I think it's, again, a lot of people will have seen Cartel Land because it was part of BBC Storyville, which is one of the best things about the BBC, is Storyville on on BBC4. They just show some absolutely fantastic documentaries on there. It's it's brilliant. And Cartel Land is just about this small village in in or small town in southern mexico where there's a vigilante group who are, who are standing up to the cartel that are ruining their town and it's about how they move across mexico move through their region trying to, to battle the cartel and you get some towns that are just completely like not into it they're not interested because the cartel don't bother them they don't bother the cartel and others where hordes of people surround um surround the, the, this vigilante group and want to join and they want to they want to do what they can to get rid of this this drug problem and also on the flip side of that you've got the american border uh with mexico where people are fleeing to america from mexico you've got the, the cartel running their drugs through there and you see the people in america who are trying to keep everyone out and it's just absolutely fascinating documentary it was brilliant but it was pipped to the post in in first place by amy documentary about amy winehouse which i don't believe has been on tv but it definitely no, went to it got, it got a, a huge cinema really. yeah i even got to see it in a cinema as well which i was surprised by yeah cineworld i think showed it by me as well yeah. I mean, they barely show anything i'm surprised they put star wars on but anyway <laughs> uh yeah amy so okay callum just to to wrap off this section what was so good about Amy in as, yeah. as fewer words as possible? <laughs> good luck with that. Um, yeah, like, like, Amy for me, like the reason why Amy works for me is because it's like, like Amy's antagonist is that it does actually have a point to it. And it, instead of just listening up, wasn't Amy Winehouse a great person? Like instead, what Amy is, is a vicious, angry screed against modern celebrity culture. And what Amy does is essentially it sits you there and tells you and forces you to pay attention and admit your role in this. If you've ever made a joke about Amy Winehouse, have you ever like made light of her drug situation out there? Show how somebody like a like Amy, who as played by a film is a shy jazz enthusiast who feels at home performing, you know, songs in my heart, but also is completely uncomfortable with the concept of fame and deals with fall- and struggling with fallout from her upbringing by her often neglectful parents and how that shapes her issues with abuse and substance relation and how essentially our my, like our magnifying and blowing up and belittling like of fame like crushing her with constant paparazzi and intrusions of her privacy and jokes about her very real struggles and how we ended up guiding her towards that what's most important was that amy doesn't look at uh, like amy doesn't make amy winehouse herself into some sort of saint like it still takes the time out to look at the flaws of like the like like the moments where amy 
falls down like her how she helped move herself into this situation as well um her bad her poor decisions how issues about that but like so instead of vilifying it instead it makes it more it kind of just furthers the point even more though like in terms of like by showing these flaws showing a lot of issues and that that she had by showing like essentially by once again mind you that amy winehouse was a human being like she was an actual like full-on human being and why the fuck did we treat her like some kind of dancing monkey who's very real tears and cries for help like and struggles and that there were kind of just the equivalent of like were more deserving of mockery and scorn than any kind of sympathy or help. It is a fascinating, really hard to watch documentary. Even though, again, like the look of silence is one, the most is again to me the most important documentary of the entire decade so far. Um, Amy is a fantastic piece and yeah, a, a deserving winner if it can't be the look of silence. <laughs> I could not have made that sound more backhanded complimenty or rambling it. I tried to remember what I was saying, but hopefully you get what I mean. Man. Yeah. Okay. So just to wrap up then for for best documentary, fifth place was The Look of Silence. Fourth, Going Clear, the Scient- uh, Scientology and the Prison of Belief. Third, Cobain, Montage of Heck. Second, Cartel Land, and top was Amy. An excellent selection there. I think that, yeah, it was a pretty good year for documentaries on the whole. So. We'll move swiftly on to the next category. We've got a lot to get through still. And the next one is Best Film Not in the English Language. I don't think I've actually watched any of this. <laughs> oh, dear me. But, you, uh... you weren't on your own. We There were people who submitted votes and sort of couldn't put anything through. And I think it's it's an indictment of how these films make it to these shores, which is usually via Netflix or some other rental or streaming service. Or they just don't um, in most cases. Or they just don't. They just don't. And we get them three years later on a DVD that's not sort of advertised anywhere. Mm. So we ha- we did have quite a few uh, blank forms submitted. I, I, I feel a little bit embarrassed by it, but there's just not the route to market there for me. I, mm-hmm. I don't have an art house cinema nearby. And yeah, I don't have any way of accessing yeah. If I if I didn't have my year end blitz just now, I don't think I would have had anything on my foreign films list. So that, again, that's just cinemas need to do a lot better job of getting this stuff in. I realise that for some reason there's this giant stigma from everybody against subtitles, but they really should just try putting these films on anyway. They definitely should. They definitely should. But there were a few that that picked up quite a, a few a number of of votes actually. So um, top five in order from fifth to first in fifth place is Force Majeure, which I thought it was okay. I thought it was all right. Like, say, it's another one of these that I enjoyed and kind of gave three and a half stars to and thought, yeah, it was interesting. But I'm, I'm not sure if I'll ever go back to it or consider it a great. This this is going to be a very quick category, I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> I can this quite quickly. In fourth place was Girlhood. I miss. I'm. I'm really annoyed by did not get around to doing Girlhood before I do my lists. There, I've. I've heard great things about it. So have I. Yeah, a French film that uh, is not a sequel to Boyhood. Oh, 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 oh. Um, Probably a million times better than Boyhood, though. I would imagine so. It's not difficult. Yeah, um, hey, oh, you're both wrong. Internet. You're both very, very <laughs> yeah, wrong. Five there. there, Owen. <laughs> yep. In third place was A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Which I watched yesterday evening. It was the very last film I watched before submitting my votes. 
and then I didn't pick it. I, I didn't say, choose what, it. What, what do you mean? You spent all that time badgering us to do to put in our list, and you didn't even put in yours until the end. Shame. Yeah, yeah. I was still still watching films right up until the deadline. Well, I'd already ordered everything anyway. It's just a case of slotting things in if they if they came up. Yeah. Second place was a, a film. I, I'm surprised actually that it got so many votes because I didn't think anything of it. It was on Netflix before. I saw it. I think it came up as a 2014 film, so I ignored it. Um, in this, like, similarly, my mad blitz was into the air, but Mummy was a. Uh, this was... is a point where I feel like I need to get my friend Kyle Turner on, where we just spend like an hour going on about his geniusness. <laughs> Does he love it as well? He he loves it. He also is a huge mark for Xavier Dolan or Xavier mm. Dolan or however you pronounce it. So <laughs> yeah, yeah I, two... I need to watch it. Like the second I saw it on Netflix, I was like, okay, I'm finally gonna watch it, and it will shut him up now. <laughs> two separate people voted for it as the best film, uh, best film not in the English language. That's, of probably, 2015. that's probably Kyle. <laughs> And top of the list, I think mainly by virtue of being the most seen and therefore voted for by people. Although there were there were a number of people who picked it as first, was Wild Tales, which is an Argentinian anthology horror type thing. Missed that by by hours. Again, I didn't squeeze it into my last like, in time. So I've heard. Would it have made about- your list? Would it have made your top five? I haven't watched it yet. I plan to. I, I, oh, okay. I, plan, I plan to. I'm amazed if apparently there were that many blank forms that Phoenix didn't manage to make it in, which was my number two on there because I was supposed to look at silence about number one. So You did. And I think you were the only person who voted for Phoenix. Oh, you people suck. <laughs> I, it's, I mean, I'm desperate to see it. It's just finding the ability to be able to. Access to it. Um, yeah. Supposedly it was on Netflix for like two minutes. Uh, there we go. Hmm. It's a, sh- it's a shame yeah. because Phoenix is fantastic. Um, it, it, it needs to be more widely seen. A fantastic movie about about regret, idealization, like insensitivity, and trying to move on from the past, and just so so much. It's it's really fantastic. Okay. One, but... one of the best endings of the year as well. Like just a perfect ending scene. Yeah. Very good. So there we go. Top five: Force Majeure, Girlhood, A Girl Works Home Alone at Night, Mummy, and then top was Wild Tales. Okay, so that wasn't the most exciting category this year, but I can assure you I'll be watching at least one foreign language film in 2016 because there's a new Toho Godzilla coming out. So, (laughs) wonderful stuff. So, on to the next category, and I'm sure this will be one that many more of our voters have partaken in, and that is Best British Film. Now, I'll start with you, Phil. Is there anything here that really stood out for you in particular? Um, quite the opposite. I could not get to five that I was willing to put my backing behind. The only British film that for me was good enough, and boy was it good enough, was Ex Machina. And even then, it's not the Britishest of British films, but it still counts. Other than that, the other British films that were out this year, I was generally disappointed by. Spectre did nothing for me. Man from Uncle did nothing for me. Um, Man from Uncle's American as well, technically. So. Well, yeah, and like, that's, like, that's, why, thing... that's why I didn't put X Machina on. I kept because X Machina was an American film for some reason. Because they all put on American accents in it. That's true, yeah. Um, but well, Phil, you might be pleased to know then that I'll go in reverse order to how I've been revealing them so far because X Machina was top by a distance. Good. It was the top British film of 2015, according to our listeners, readers, subscribers. Twitter followers, whoever it was that was voting. I, I, I need to revisit X Marketing. I, I I loved it for um, like 
95% of its runtime, and then in typical Alex Garland fashion, the ending for me fell flat on its face, which is a shame. Ugh. I do have reasoning why I'd like to explain why, but of course we can't on here because people might want to watch Ex Machina, and they yeah, should no watch spoilers. Ex Machina. They should, no wa- they should watch Ex Machina. It's just the typical Alex Garland thing for me of he can never stick the bloody landing. Um, my girlfriend would agree with you completely. I, however, was sold on it hook, line, and sinker, and I can't <laughs> remember ever gripping the armrests of a cinema chair harder than the last 15 minutes of Ex Machina. So in um, second place after Ex Machina was... Uh, you know, I'm going to say I'm surprised that it was second, and we'll we'll discuss why when we get to the top ten, but Spectre. Boo and hiss. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Spectre, the 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 latest 007 James Bond movie. I know um, I know people who like the Sam Smith Bond theme, which means they no longer get to have any opinions ever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, people picked it because it harks back to the older style James Bond films, and I can see if you if they're your favourite type of Bond films, if you are of the sort of Roger Moore era, fair enough. You know, that's what it tries to embody in most places. It, 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 does, it doesn't, though. That's the thing. It tries no. to walk. It tries to walk this line between, like, be, like between calling back to visuals while still being of this modern day joyless, gloomy. Yeah. Uh, my Bond is the correct Bond way, and then everything feeding back into it, like into this one single yeah. bad guy who Bond. Fo- like, I'm expecting. So in the next film, I'm expecting the bad guy to be a waiter Bond fobbed off once twenty years ago, and he's been plotting elaborate revenge yeah. ever since. And then the way that when it does restage and make, you know, get cold outs to things like from to scenes like from Russia with Love's train fight or having its own version of Jaws and that there it feels less like it's like it making affectionate homage like in Skyfall because that works for Skyfall it's the 50 year anniversary of the character but instead here of bit of like Sam Mendes going this is my bond here I'm making the definitive bond here I'm going to do this bond better than all other bonds I'm going to do the better I'm, I'm going to have a better fight from Russia with Love tra- train fight scene than one from from Russia with Love and just it's it's bad it's a bad move so I'm 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 not going to get into it here just I have like an 18 <laughs> I did an 18 minute review on screen one a few months back and that there just go listen to that you'll do it much better than i could do here third place after specter was uh suffragette i really liked suffragette i yeah i really like suffragette i still feel like it needed to have been better that's the most take i have on it here basically it's just yeah i was like i really liked watching it should have been better it also very much seems to carry this air of like feminism having been this thing that was won like that it's over now like, like, there's no more pressure out here. Especially, like, in way when the credits come up with just, like, this list of countries of when women got the votes and that there. Meant, and I was just, like, sat there waiting for, like, a list of countries that haven't given women the votes. You know, it's like a count. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. I mean, show- uh, yeah, it didn't do enough to make me think it had got anything important to say to get me through the door, I'm afraid. Um, I thought that it would have this romanticized view of how well we've achieved and that I didn't think that was going to teach me anything, so it, it didn't get my ticket for sale because of that. And below that was, uh, in fourth place, The Lobster. Which is technically uh, a Greek movie, and yet I put it on there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, other people chose it. You weren't, again, on your own with that one. The- I haven't seen it. Neither have I. This is my biggest regret of things I haven't seen yet in 2015 that I'm most cross with myself for having not seen. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't on anywhere near me again. Um, my fellow Wiki Shuffle presenters, it is their favourite film of the year. Both <laughs> Jack and Chris went to see it and adored it. And I'm very cross that I've not seen it yet. Yeah, it wasn't shown anywhere near me. Um, and I only got to see it in the year of Blitz. And the first hour is one of my favourite films of the year. 
it's this hysterical, viciously biting satire of our of like modern relationships, or specifically like the landscape and where we believe like everybody needs to be dating all the time, and how you can find true love in like in, like instantaneous seconds, and it's like absolutely vicious and pitch black and brilliant. And then the second hour pisses it all away for me on kind of a wishy-washy, eh, maybe, like, yeah, maybe both sides of a point, you know, maybe people who also want to be single are horrible people too. And, like, in a way, like, where I get the idea is, like, you know, to satire people who are too much of way, but at the same time, the satire isn't as well done as the first side. And also the main romance the film pivots on is exactly as poorly written and awkward as the fake romances in the first hour of the film. So it lacks emotional resonance. On the other hand, it does have one of the biggest laughs I've had in a cinema all year. I mean, like in a, a film all year, so that's worth something. And just finally for the top British films, so first is Ex Machina, second Spectre, third is Suffragette, fourth is The Lobster, and fifth is Kingsman, The Secret Service. Oh, God. I, I keep forgetting Kingsman's a British movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I probably could have actually put that on there. Darn it. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't choose it. Church scene is still the best individual action sequence of the whole year. Yeah, I've seen, I've rewatched clips from from Kingston. I haven't seen the whole film again. I've re rewatched clips, the the church scene, the bit in the pub with Colin Firth, um, and then again at the end. I mean, the the action scenes in Kingsman. Just look beautiful. Yeah. Again, Matthew Vaughan is one of the best action movie directors working today, which is both high praise and also kind of a sag indictment of them. <laughs> but again, I, like, it, it sounds like that kind of a compliment, but at the same time, I do genuinely mean it. And like, as I mean, that's why I'm like halfway through the church scene and just, which at the same time, what is like a scene that is amazing and also kind of completely fails in its point. Because of course, the whole point afterwards is that it's meant to be like this big shocking kind of, holy shit, what the fuck did they just do? Like, but at the same time, he also does this John Woo thing where he's clearly meant to be trying to make a point about violence but undermines it by making the violence making yeah. so in the technical term totally fucking sweet so yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i i loved the church scene as well but i found myself resenting it because i hated everything that had led up to it and everything that came afterwards so uh, I mark malar yeah patron saint of odious fuckboy 13 year olds everywhere yeah <laughs> very nice okay so with that we're going to take a very quick break, but we'll be back in just a few moments where we'll be discussing the three really big award categories of the year, which is the top five actors or actresses, worst film, and the top ten films of 2015 as voted by the Fail Critics listeners. So it's time to get back into our awards rundown, but I'm just going to very quickly throw out a question to the panel just regarding some of the things that they didn't manage to get around to seeing in 2015 that they suspect they would have liked and hopefully we'll find the time to watch at some point during 2016. So, Callum, you've seen nearly everything, but was there anything <laughs> that you didn't get around to seeing that you wish you had done? Uh... Fair number, actually. I mean, I already mentioned Girlhood and Wild Tales, which I never got to see. Um, Clouds of Sils Maria. I'm really annoyed I didn't get around to it. I was meant to do that after I watched Look of Silence, like on my final night of you know, Blitz. But then I watched Look of Silence and just wanted to stare at walls for the rest of the evening. So, um, and I'm seeing it on that. I also, like, it could be in Montreal, Japan, because Owen reminded me just then. <laughs> you know, like, when you're excited for that, you're like, I'm sure there's something I missed that I didn't remember to note down to see. Probably not important, and then it was Cobain. Probably would like that. Um, the big one, 
And this is entirely because I continue to be a massive wuss, and therefore, emo as much as I would love to watch it, I'm probably never, ever actually going to see it, is It Follows. I really, wow. really, really want to watch It Follows, but nowhere near enough to actually sit down and watch it, because I am a massive pansy. Like, I, I'm a guy who really want, who only saw Crimson Peak um, at home. And it, I, in, and discovered whilst watching that, but yeah, I really should have just sucked up a cinema in the cinema. This movie was amazing. Why did I not go see this? Because it's not all that. Cause it's not actually that scary. And that was just like I, I just have no self preservation to walk. I have too much of a self preservation instinct to walk into a move like a cinema screen and watch a horror movie, which is a shame because everything I've heard about it follows makes it sound like a movie I would love. Unfortunately, I'm probably never going to watch it. <laughs> You're missing out. For the same reason, Alien Isolation sounds like an amazing game that I, I, I probably love, but at the same time, fuck that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Okay, Phil, is there anything up there that you really wish that you'd gotten around to seeing this year? Um, I'm embarrassed to say that I didn't get to see Inherent Vice. Paul Thomas Anderson, one of my favourite directors in the entire world, and I haven't seen Inherent Vice yet, so I'm quite ashamed about that. Um, and Whiplash as well, I've still not seen. Um, That's a big one. You need to watch Whiplash. One. Yes, I mm. definitely do. Um, and Lobster that I've already mentioned is the other one that I I really feel. Um, Bridge of Spies as well. I didn't get to see Bridge of Spies before it finished. Uh, That's a shit. Bridge of Spies is great as well. Make sure to get it as soon as it gets out on DVD. Yes. It's all right. It's okay. It's probably, my fa- it's probably my sp- favourite Spielberg movie since Munich, and I'm somebody who actually loves Tintin and really like Lincoln, so that's like high praise for me. Okay, good stuff. For myself, um, there was a couple that were quite high on my list of ones to see. Um, when we did the award show last year and we were sort of cherry-picking films that we were looking forward to in 2015, Ex Machina was high on my list because I'm a big fan of Ghost in the Shell which is a vaguely similar sort of um, <laughs> artificial intelligence-esque movie. And Owen, we did a, a very fascinating and really enjoyable podcast on artificial intelligence movies. We did. When yeah. Ex Machina first came out. So I was really excited to see that movie and it never came to the Isle of Man. Big shock. And it's now sort of getting to around uh, availability on home release. I'm hoping I'll hit the streaming site soon and I can pick up on that one. But that was very harmless. And I know I'll like it. So it's... I think it's on Amazon Video. I've got, I've got Amazon Prime, so I could watch it on there if it's if it's hit there. So that's definitely one for me to share. Yeah, well, it's... It's just picked up a biffer, hasn't it? So it's gonna it's gonna be around somewhere. It might even be on film four before we know it. Be- They're getting quite good at showing films like within a year, just over a year after they've been out in the cinema. Now, but at the very least, once they're film four productions. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, Ex and... Machina's got to pick up extra viewership off the back of Star Trek. Uh, Star Trek. Oh dear. <laughs> oh, yeah. First time. Two seven hundred million angry angry males. If it's not Star Trek, you take <laughs> And the the other one that was was pretty high on my list that again never got to to my neck of the woods was Sicario. Um, I like those Ooh. sort of gritty crime dramas and, and whatnot so that one's definitely high on my list of things to see and i'll be going out of my way to do so at some point in the very near future you were really deprived when you like by not being able to see sicario you really have been yeah you know when films come out and you just know you're gonna yeah. regardless yeah. And, and i know i'll really really like that so i'll definitely give that the time i to think do i put it i think i also put it score down under my best scores list as well but i can't remember Lots of people did. Yeah, it's it was um it was close to getting into the top three. Cool. Okay, I look forward to catching that one and giving the score a good listen as well. So Owen, 
was there anything that you didn't manage to get around to seeing with this late year blitz that you've put in in the last few days? It's interesting because totting up all of these votes and trying to work out, I get to see a load of films that I didn't realise people really, really liked. And it's made me think I have missed it on quite a few. Selma, I know a lot of people like that. A couple of my friends really loved it and were trying to get me to watch it, but it wasn't shown in Didcut's little tiny five screens in the world. The Lobster as well, like Phil, like we've just said, I really wanted to see that. In fact, I was desperately trying to find that before submitting votes and it's not available to rent yet. I couldn't even buy it. it you know, it's it's annoying, but I've had to unfortunately miss out. The, other, the one I did overlook was Steve Jobs. Uh, but Steve Jobs also like gone after like two seconds. It was here and, and then gone, yep, straight away. And But mainly because I wanted to see Fassbender in the role. Not so much the film itself. I thought it might be a bit like um, Social Network, but perhaps not as good. And that's kind of the impression I've, I've, I've got is that it's okay. It's just not as good. Um, but also because, yeah, because of Fassbender, I've seen him in uh, Macbeth and Slow West this year. Liked him in both. And he's sort of one of the, the best actors we've got at the moment. Yeah. Like so, yeah. So Steve Jobs would have been would have been the one I'd, I'd yeah. probably have gone to first. Prep, prep yourself for when it hits Blu-ray. Um, it's on my top 20 list anyway. And it's def- I think it's actually one of Sorkin's best scripts. Like one mm. of his best film scripts. But I also, I also really like Danny Boyle as a director. And, you know, even films where of his that I've thought aren't going to be any good have always been at least visually very good yeah he uh, um, trance 127 hours slumdog yeah. millionaire i really like those yeah mostly for for trance and 127 hours yeah for the directing oh, oh 127 hours is great trash is trash uh, trance is trash but um like again i he, he for, for me anyway his style does not mesh well with with um sorkin like he tries too hard to insert his own thing okay. and he just takes away uh, of, of course i might also be saying that because it's not fincher and as we saw from the social network <laughs> sorkin and fincher are like a match made in heaven quite yeah. frankly but yeah, so, so yeah, so mine would mine would be Steve Jobs uh, in that case. Steve Jobs. Okay, good stuff. Right, so moving on into our main three awards of the year now, um, we're going to st- start us off with the top five actors and actresses of 2015, and I'm sure this one's been highly contested. There's been plenty of standout performances, and there's also um, only one correct answer. <laughs> well, there's always only one correct answer, but seeing as you're so Heartily opinion, Callum, why don't you let us know who's your favourite actor and actress of 2015? Well, actually, first off, before I even mention it, I'm just going to spoil um, what one of my articles is later, in the, um, later this week. I actually had a really, 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 really hard time coming up with five names for the actor. Like this okay. this year, this year more than anything else has been the year of female performances. Like they just as they just come and just blow everything away. There has great. been a lot of strong yeah. females. This I, year. I put well, that's five, interesting. I, like I put five in, and I actually really had to try physically hard to just keep it at five. Like my number five slot was constantly being cycled out of something else because there were so many just as worthy candidates. Sorry, Owen, you were trying to say something. Before. I was just going to say that's interesting because it was the opposite as they were coming through. Lots of people, like everyone who submitted five actors and actresses, would put five actors, three, four actresses. Maybe well, those people are wrong, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> not paying attention. It's not, yeah, yeah. It's not, like, but like, no, the best performance of this, of this year was Charlotte Rampling in 45 years. It's the best performance of the whole year. She is just absolute. Like in every scene, she goes from. I realise that this sounds incredibly obvious and that there, but like she's not Charlotte Rampling playing Kate in a movie. Like she is Kate. Like she brings that much 
subtlety and nuance and depth and lived in like history to her character to the relationship she has with her husband Jeff and then as the film goes on as the marriage breaks down as like for the ways that like as she realizes that she's not like she wasn't the first love but also that she might not be the love right now and that there how she's able to just communicate everything through just like her face without even having to do any like giant face changing or acting about there just like even just many scenes of her just like staring out over like over like on a canal or something like that you could just tell instantly what she's thinking how it's affecting her and especially during the film's utterly outstanding ending she's able to bring so much tension out there because eventually her character like her love becomes like is no longer Jamie just turns into a facade, which is also so good at it, but she's able to do this way where you can tell it's a facade, but at the same time, she's doing such a good job at making it look like a facade for other people that it, she might actually genuinely still have some semblance of love, which is what makes the finale such an, like, even like so, with tension higher than like most action movies and thrillers that I've seen all year. Like she, it's like an acting, she just does an acting masterclass. And I'm pretty sure she won't have won also because 45 years came out sod all anywhere. But it is on Blu-ray and DVD in I think like two weeks, and you should all pick up Forty-five Years. It's a fantastic movie. Okay, and that's that's an interesting point. Now I've got a very quick question for all of you, as I haven't had a chance to speak to any of you about Star Wars at this point. <laughs> and you mean Star Trek. particularly, particularly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and particularly yourself, Cal, because you're a very big advocate of strong female performances, particularly in, in how you voted this year. Where do we all stand on the performance of Daisy Ridley? It took like 10 minutes for me to get into her because I thought initially she was coming off as a bit too try hard. And then eventually she she settled down and knocked out the park. Okay. I can categorically state that um, she was voted for a number of times. She's not in the top five. Interesting. She didn't make it into the top five. I um, thought she was okay, personally. The character was was good. Uh, uh, Yeah, it's hard to justify Uh, how I felt about it because I thought the the film itself was good, and that's going to pain Steve. It's either going to pain Steve or he's just going to be sitting there now laughing at his iPod as I say, "Yeah, Star Wars was quite good." <laughs> yeah. I told you so. I told you so. I know, Steve. Shut up. But um, I thought the character was okay. She was okay as an actress. But people I've spoken to since then, like in real life, real people have just been laughing at her performance, saying she was terrible and awful and. This, that, and the other. Really? And I didn't think I didn't think she was bad. I don't think you can stretch to to anything overly negative. Whether you think it's amazing or not, so it's a, it's a separate matter. But um, she was very entertaining. You know, for her first major role, she mm-hmm. did very very well. Found it a little bit annoying at times where she was channeling Kieran Knightley and facial expressions. Uh, <laughs> her accent, especially, is very yeah. Kieran Knightley. Yeah, she's uh, definitely trying to replicate at least a little bit of, of Keira Knightley in her performance. But on the whole, she was probably one of the standout performances in The Force Awakens, of yeah. which I enjoyed, but was mostly underwhelmed with on, on the whole. The two things I would say, like, for people negative of it is, one, go back and watch Mark Hamill and the original trilogy. Where it's like much the same of like he's like there are moments where he's just like terrible, but he's otherwise is you know perfectly fine and good in the role. And two, well, if you need like an excuse as to why, like like you see and you're like yeah it's okay that is just go, she's good but she's not Oscar Isaac. Right. <laughs> like this, so like, like yeah. I've seen Oscar Isaac in so many films about here about it, but then, like watching him in Force Awakens was like a moment where I realized oh this guy is a movie star. He's good, mm-hmm. isn't he? Yeah, he was voted in three different films. Three different films he was nominated for. 
Best Actor this year. I'm sure as well if we'd have allowed TV shows, he would have been nominated for the um, Show Me a Hero TV show as well. It's the third one he was nominated for Most Violent Year. It was. Did somebody actually see a Most Violent Year? Apparently they did, and apparently <laughs> they thought he was very good in it. Yeah, I quite liked it. I uh, um, Yeah, I thought it was a good slow burner. There was a lot going on there. It didn't make something. my list, but I certainly enjoyed the experience. Mm-hmm. And Oscar Isaac in particular, who he is almost unrecognisable between roles, and that's always a sign of a good actor. Well, except, well the, the only thing, the only like constant between them is that he looks hot as hell. I can't <laughs> deny that. Yeah, he was my pick last year, I think, for Inside Bloomer Davis. I thought um, I just well. He's certainly getting a very big push at the moment, isn't he? And he's gonna be Apocalypse next year in the next X Men movie, which would be interesting to see as well. Yeah, we can forgive him yeah. for that. Well, That's I, okay. I, I'm, I'm glad he's gonna that him and everybody else involved in X Men are getting steady paychecks. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> if he brings to um, if he brings to the role what Fastbender did to the Magneto role. Yeah. I've got no qualms with, with putting an actor of his calibre into a popcorn movie. <laughs> and have we seen the uh, the uh, Doctor Strange news today? Oh, yes. So, oh, yes. Uh, Doctor Strange. What we said at the beginning of this, there wasn't any news, Owen. Yes. Is it Mads Mikkelsen? Mads Mikkelsen is what I'm referring to. Oh, oh, oh really? I haven't heard wait, that yet. Wait, 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 wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Sorry, Did you say Mads Mikkelsen is in Doctor Strange? He's going to be the villain. Fuck yes! Exactly. No, I'm into it. Oh, no, I'm excited. Oh, thank God. I was watching the um, Salvation as part of my catch-up there, and it's a, oh, yeah. it's a pretty decent Western amount there, but with Mads Mikkelsen and Ava Green. Uh, oh, yeah. I really liked the Salvation. Yeah. This is also a bit of a, a spoiler for later, but I picked it as one of my top ten. I just thoroughly loved yeah. the Salvation. Yeah. Um, anyway, yes. So we were going to talk about actors and actresses. <laughs> yes. um, five. Should we do top five actors first? Yes. Let's do the correct way first. There we go. Yes. So uh, alphabetical, I suppose, actors and then actresses. Um, actors. Play, but okay. <laughs> In uh, fifth place. Now, I'm really surprised. And I know people love this film, but Tom Hardy for Mad Max Fury Road. Are you sure it wasn't Tom Hardy for Legend and that people just got... Yep. Nope. People specified films. He's been nominated for Legend and uh, I think one other. But um, yeah, Tom Hardy for for Mad Max Fury Road is our fifth best acting performance. It doesn't surprise me, even if the performance itself isn't Oscar worthy. It's still a very likable character. Yeah. Portrayed brilliantly well. It's it, it, it's it's a good it's a good sort of performance for anchors the movie. I wouldn't say it's one of the best of the year, but at the same time as well, I'm glad it's not like a giant showy one. I've got this horrible feeling of in my stomach right now that Eddie Redmayne is somewhere on this list, and I'm going to have uh, a fucking uh... fit if he is. <laughs> <laughs> in fourth place was Ian McKellen for Mr. Holmes. Yes, yes. Mm. I've heard good things, but I haven't. I haven't. I didn't catch it. Basically, a good film for the performances. The story is a bit boring, I... a bit naff, but the the performances are particularly Ian McKellen. Was... McKellen does great work there. I'm glad somebody. I'm glad other people watched Mr. Holmes. Yeah, I saw it. Um, I think uh, my wife picked him as her first choice for this list as well. He's saying, saying think... you're blaming your wife for this. Is that what? Is that? What it's her fault. It's her fault. But other people chose her. Someone else chose um, uh, Ian McKellen. My, first. I've been, oh, um, okay, that wasn't me then. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, so there we go. He's uh, he's the fourth best, uh, just above Tom Hardy, 
So Ian McKellen, just above Mad Max. Go, go see Mr. Holmes, folks. Yeah. Go do that. Um, in third place, and another one, I can already hear the whoops of joy coming from Callum from the future. They're whooping so hard, and they've just gone <laughs> into the past. It's Benicio Del Toro for Sicario. Yes. Oh, yes. That was my first choice. Yeah. Yes. My, that's on my... Uh... I've got it on my best runner-up performance on my personal awards coming along this year because there's a reason why I've sorted out my 10 performance like that. But like, Del Toro is outstanding in that. You watch it and you're reminded immediately of just how great this, this actor really is, which for Del Toro, who has made questionable career choices since 2008, Che could not have come sooner enough. He is outstanding here. Yeah, Phil, so you, you did you say you picked him as your top choice? He was my top choice, absolutely. Yeah. As If you want to impress me with uh, some character acting i need to see a broken human and in <laughs> sicario benicio del toro is in pieces mm. and you can see that behind his eyes is a fractured fractured man and he does it with such a, a ferocity that is really terrifying at times um but still you warm to it. it's not a, it's not a psychopathic <laughs> sort yeah. of um and it could easily have gone that way with the character that was being asked to be, asked to play and the actions that were undertaken. But he was so grounded and so clearly wrapped up in what he was doing, and that was all Del Toro's work. Yeah, like the, the way he's able to keep, like, he makes him sort of like sympathetic and then always pushes you back from time to time, no matter like how far off the deep end he keeps going. About it's so good, so yeah. good. It's not yeah. somebody whose company you want to be in. Mm. Not at all. No. So. Second and first. I'll, I'll say it right now, it's not Eddie Redmayne. It's fine. Thank God. If, 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 it, if, it, if, it, if it was, I was actually going to drop this microphone and then just walk out, walk out my flat and slam the door and never come back. Yeah, I thought I'd uh, kill the suspense there and then. So who do we think is in the top two for best actor? Matt, what have you... You got any inkling who you think it might be? <sighs> oh, tough one because I, I just haven't seen as many films as the rest of you, so I'm in a poor position to judge. But if it's not a Tom Hardy, just purely from the popularity factor, then I would say O'Shea Johnson Jr. That's quite a left-field choice. But unfortunately for you, um, he isn't in the top Isn't in the top five. I don't think he even made the top ten. Um, okay. Fuck me, then. Phil, any ideas? Um, It's tricky. I mean, the others... I've got um, Michael Keaton for um, Birdman and um, Fassbender for Steve Jobs were the other two that I've got. I think that they're both going to struggle. Right. And... Callum, any ideas quickly for now, top two? Now that Phil's mentioned Michael Keaton, I keep forgetting other people actually put in what came out in the UK in 2015 instead of yeah. disqualifying holdovers. Uh, Keaton for Birdman's definitely in there somewhere. And I'm also going to say Matt Damon from Martian's probably in there somewhere. I thought that was a possibility, yeah. Hmm. Well, actually, second place is Michael Fassbender for Steve Jobs. Wow. Yeah. Good. People Good. really liked his performance. And top... Is I can't believe none of you said it, but J.K. Simmons for Whiplash. Oh yeah, I uh, Uh Yeah, J.K. Simmons for for Whiplash was was top. Keaton didn't make the top five. God, Whiplash, Whiplash is so good. Do you think that's because it was a right at the beginning of the year? It was so a New Year's Day opening. Have forgotten about yeah. it. Yeah, well, uh, Birdman was New Year's Day. I think Whiplash was 
last 18th of January. No, no, it was, it was explained why, why uh, Keaton wasn't on the list. Like, it's probably because it was New Year's Day and people just kind of, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, don't, don't, okay, I keep forgetting Whiplash was in January. It's the kind of movie that feels like it's been around forever. Like, like, like it has like a kind of like instant classic status of just watching it there. God, so yeah. good. So I, I was expecting Keaton to... I was trying to justify why Keaton wasn't in the top five by saying, you know, people thought, oh, well, it was the Oscars. He got his... Uh, his glory there. We'll pick someone else. But then that doesn't explain J.K. Simmons unless he just was that good that people couldn't help again, but vote. Again, my guess is because it was January 1st. Yeah. Well, like I say, Whiplash was 18th of January. Yeah, but again, like, but again, there's that whole New Year's Day thing of like just of just cross, crossing over into qualifying thing. Like people might have bled it into the previous year by accident or yeah. intentionally, as I do. And also, I think when you go to look at films on IMDb, if you just use the dates, those are fucking... Sh- sh- I don't know why they go for those dates that they, they do. Like, where you put in Whiplash and it says first, 2014. Yeah. The first time it was shown at a festival is just... That's not its release date. That isn't the release date. That, Generally, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Anybody who tries to tell you this was a good year for film is either lying or is a snobby film or is a film critic waving their uh, like indie oh, film, yeah. film festival passes in your face, like like a prick at a party who knows, like who went to school went to school with all these famous celebrities and they were just so relatable and so much just best friends, yeah. you guys. I'm like, fuck off. Yeah. Oh, my favorite film of 2015. No, oh, it was probably The Revenant or The Hateful Eight or maybe Fuck. Creed. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> just, just stop. <laughs> um, okay. So there we go. Top five actors: Tom Hardy for Mad Max, Ian McKellen for Mr. Holmes, Benicio del Toro for Sicario, uh, Michael Fassbender for Steve Jobs, and top was J.K. Simmons for Whiplash. Okay, that was a pretty difficult one to predict. Now I know Callum's getting super excited to start talking about awesome actresses so let's go for it what was number five on that one Owen? number five was kate blanchett for carol is it not kate blanchett and rooney marva for carol together i had to disqualify your fifth choice because you put six actresses boo boo wait you 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 disqualify marilyn's before instead how dare you Yes. Uh, oh, no, no. Oh, again, the no, there's a legitimate reason for it. It's not me trying to game the system. Again, like for me, Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara are one performance in Carol. Like they are symbiotic with each other. The way one person, like the way one acts, yeah, yeah, but, but unfortunately, they're, they're two separate people. Well, nobody life, gives so. a shit about your two characters, Like, like, so, like, like the way they would just like figure out exactly, like they were able to cultivate this relationship immediately, like. Like, from the very second they lock eyes at the beginning of the film, like, it's clear that they're going to end it together. Uh, like, 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 because, like, like, the immediate, like, attraction and tension is so powerful and so potent that there's no other possible way the story could end other than these two getting together. And watching them slowly dance around each other as the film goes on, coming together, like, and being able to maintain that, like, sexual tension, which incidentally might as well be, it's, might as well get its own starring credit and be third build in the film to make it like make the sexual tension pack to his own character like there in every scene but still managing to be like their own individual characters with their own individual arcs and feelings and lives outside of the two it's it's virtuoso work from her it really is so kate blanchett was fifth fourth was emily blunt for sicario yes 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 you got you, yeah. none, none of you can see it right now at least all listeners but i'm nodding my head in approval of this list <laughs> uh Unfortunately, Matt, as you've pointed out, you, you missed out on Sicario, which is a shame because it was a, a very good performance from, from Emily. Yeah, Blunt. I'm going to do my best to get hold of it ASAP. Yeah, both Phil and I, but we both put it into second, yep. Phil, and we, we submitted the votes. 
I think, I think, um, I, 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 so when, when, when does Emily Blunt ever put in bad work? Other than that, I mean, other than, unless the film's terrible with, with her, like normally she tries her hardest and she's wasting her talents on a Huntsman prequel. Oh God, year. is she really? Yeah. On the oh, other hand, God. she is playing the evil sister to Charlie's Theron, so I'm expecting some wonderfully hammy, hammy acting, if nothing else. Mm. But you didn't actually vote for your, her, her yourself, Callum. Again, it was that tight of a year. It was a ridiculously like difficult and tight year in terms of trying to figure out which like actors that. Again, I'm doing a full top ten article solely on act on female performances and that here as the best performance of the year, <laughs> and I'm still f- having to cut people. It's it's <laughs> been a ridiculously strong year for that, for female actors. It really has been. Yeah. So. In third place is uh, actually it's an actress Phil that you voted for twice. Oh, good! Two roles. I'm very pleased. But which but, one is it? Which one? Which for? one is it? Well, it's not the man from Uncle, so it's Alicia Vikander for Ex Machina. I'm so place. sorry. Hang on, Phil. I need to give you an internet high five for voting for for the man from Uncle. <laughs> she's the best. She's the only good thing about that film. I, I think there's actually a lot of great things in Man from Uncle, but yeah, she steals that movie out from everybody. Absolutely steals it. But it was uh, Ex Machina that she was voted for, convincing everyone that she was a real person all along, passing a Turing test. This, this, um, this has been an outstanding year for Vikander. Like, like, if, like 2014 was like Scarlett Johansson's year, 2015 was Alicia Vikander's year. Like, just yeah, to just hearing all these films putting in outstanding performances. Why the fuck is she ending it with a goddamn Danish girl? <laughs> Uh, she's after an Oscar now. She's done all the good films. Yeah. It's time mm. to to get the award and the recognition. She did like when they, like I, I saw that Golden Globes list there, her, having her nominated in Best Supporting Actress for Ex Machina. Best Supporting. I learned recently how that works actually between um, lead and support actor and actress in the Oscars. Oh, go on. The associate the um, the Oscars themselves they don't declare what category they put it in. It's purely the voters. They decide whether they're putting the person forward as either a supporting or a, a lead. It's entirely yeah. their decision. They're completely free to define for themselves whether it was a supporting role or not, which well, I so thought that, was quite so that's, interesting. So that's not a thing the studio does, it's no. the actual actor or actress does the, themselves. The, no, it's the, it's the individual voters decide whether or not it was a supporting role. Huh. Which, um, there we go. Yeah, I found that quite interesting. Yeah. But we don't, we don't split here. It's just actress. She's just been nominated as the third best actress, support or, or sort of lead. Who cares? What's number two, um, Owen? Number two, Callum, is not Kate Blanchett, so it's Rooney Mara for Carol. Uh, at least it wasn't for Pan. <laughs> I get this horrible feeling somebody would have that, put Rooney Mara for Pan as a joke. That wasn't ever in danger of happening. Don't be ridiculous. Be glad Nobody saw Pan. Yeah. <laughs> Thank fuck. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but she did get it for, for Carol. I, I'll be honest. I'll hold, hold my hands up here. I thought Kate Blanchett was the better of the two. Kate Blanchett was the only one that I voted for out of uh, both of them. I voted for both, but no, they couldn't be one person. No, I'm afraid um, that would just confuse there, the spreadsheet if, too much. If, if there were, if there was a scene in which they put a, like a, if they, in which they just like put a fucking like jacket on together, zipped it up, <laughs> it was just like then you, then you would have had no fucking choice, would you? But no, she just sat on Kate Blanchett's shoulders and yeah. used a tiny head to poke above <laughs> the. Uh, I'm Vince an adult man. <laughs> I did a business. Um, yeah, so Rooney Mara, we've talked about Carol already, so we'll just move on to the top actress. Well, I wonder who it could be. Who could that be? Is, yes, is, it, J- is it Jada Pinkett Smith, Magic Mike XXL? No. Oh, do, you want, do you want some guesses who it isn't? Who do you, who <laughs> do you think it isn't? <laughs> yeah. Who it isn't? Yeah. Who it isn't? Yeah. Oh. It's not Melissa McCarthy. 
Uh, that's a sh- that's a shame. She did fantastic work in Spy. Yeah, it wasn't Carrie Mulligan, and it wasn't uh, as we've discussed Daisy Ridley. So it was. Was it Charlie's farm from Mad Max Fury Road? That was an expert guess. Who did you come up with that colour? I don't know. It's just like it just came to me. <laughs> yeah, Charlie's Theron for Mad Max Fury Road came out top again, like most of the categories we've had so far. By a distance. I'm waiting for it to also take worst film and best film at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is there anyone who actually disagrees with that? Yes. Well, yeah. One person voted for Mad Max Fury Road as the worst film of the year. <laughs> you know, yep. this person name and shame. God damn it. I think they got confused by the form. That's the only <laughs> thing that could have happened. <laughs> you you do know them quite well, Phil. You do know them quite well. Oh, Let's Jesus. hell. <laughs> I'll be having words with him. Are you, Phil, Phil, are you sure this isn't just you and you're just trying to like hide the facts? Okay, no. like, oh, there's that other guy on my podcast. When we podcast. get to talk about it in detail, then you will understand that I am definitely not in that camp. Who <laughs> um, the fuck is this hipster? I demand <laughs> well, My favourite film of the year was probably Entourage. Bastard. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I think this oh, leads us okay. quite nicely on to worst film of 2015. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, it was actually. Nice segue, Owen. It was a good segue, that was the assist. Um, <laughs> uh, um, before we get into worst film, just uh, very quickly, because there's a very fine line between what is the worst film and what is the most disappointing film. So something you had high hopes for that didn't quite hit the mark. So I'd just like to get the panel's thoughts on what was their biggest disappointment of the year before we go into categorically the worst film of 2015. Um, Owen, what do you think? There were a couple that I... Well, there was more than a couple. There was a few that I was holding out of hope for um, that sort of failed to live up to expectation, as we said, that weren't terrible, but just not quite as good as I hoped. Legend would probably be the one that... Yeah. When I looked at the calendar, I thought, I'm really going to enjoy this film. This looks like everything I want from a, a sort of high-profile British gangster film. It's got Tom Hardy, two Tom Hardys, yep. two Tom Hardys for the price of one. How could it go wrong? Well, it turns out when the writing is bad, when yep. the narration is incredibly distracting and annoying, and when the story's just so limp. Yeah. It's just, I was really disappointed in it. If I've learned something in 2015, it's how to make a biopic. <laughs> <laughs> because I've always struggled with, with biopics as a thing, and Legend perfectly exemplifies for me what to do wrong. If you don't have the really keen focus on a very specific story you want to tell, It just disappears into nothing. And that's exactly what happened with Legend. Um, Whose story was it? What were we supposed to learn about any of these people? What was the nonsense with the American gangsters, the nonsense with the so many characters being thrown at it with no clear idea of whose story we were getting to hear about? And yet there were two of my top three um, of my votes were also biopics that went in completely the opposite direction by being so intricately focused on very specific events that it made them absolutely riveting. Um, And that is Selma and Steve Jobs, both of which were so tight in the story that they wanted to tell rather than trying to throw that scattergun approach of picking as much as possible from as long a period as possible, which is where legend just fell to pieces. 
Mm-hmm. But relatedly, I cannot wait for whatever theater group, the really ambitious theater group, decides to try and recreate Steve Jobs like as a play. <laughs> I can't. No, yeah. I'm, I'm genuinely excited for that. That'll be interesting. That would be um, and achievable as well. Yeah, I am going to go for the turkey with my disappointing movies here and go Legend. Um, <laughs> again, like, it's just it's not it's not very good. Which is the shame. Mm-hmm. But the, the main problem again as. Film engineer, so it's basically nothing for me to do but we go to say it's just it has no idea what it wants to be. It wants, uh, but at the same time, it seems to have the same problem I've heard Joy has, but of course, I can't say anything because I've seen Joy. Is that it seems to be ashamed to be a biopic about the thing it should be about, like it seems to distance itself as much as possible from being a film about the craze and the rise of the craze mm. and what they did instead trying to also be a love, instead trying to be a love story you know, between Roger Cray and the um, and this girl played by a really annoying emily browning uh, it's also trying to be a, a bit of biopic about the rise of the craze and then also look at family about the bonds of family and then also 60s britain and corruption and obviously it doesn't settle in on anything enough so then that means its structure feels aimless and takes forever to, like which means like even though it's like two hours it still feels like much longer and then hegeland who i think basically at this point we just need to admit is never going to write anything anywhere close to la confidential ever again so we should <laughs> we should just give up hope we should just give up hope by this point um but they, like his dialogue is just not very interesting and it's so joyless and it, the tone but at the same time the tone's also all over the place and it's just it's just not very, and it looks weirdly mm. cheap as well like it, it just doesn't feel it, british i think was the yeah. issue with me as well it just feels I like mean, it's written by someone who isn't yeah. from england uh, uh, well i mean brian Hagland isn't from england but, but that's uh, what i mean yeah it just feels like it and it shouldn't it should be i mean it's about the craze who you know regardless of your opinion on sort of turning notorious gangsters who kill people into glorified caricatures and in a movie you know whatever moral stances on that it it should be a big glorious sort of involving story and it just it was yeah. flat instead and, and, it, and it's also a film from like that depicts england from somebody who seems to have just watched maybe three episodes of coronation street one <laughs> uh, so matt i can't i can't was... like, sorry, I, I can't help but wonder what scorsese might have done with something like this yeah that would be fascinating wouldn't it so i'll just finish this off with mine and uh, a little bit mainstream but um age of ultron mm. uh, considering how highly it featured in our end of year poll a couple of years ago for avengers assemble I'd be fairly surprised if this featured in our top 10, to be honest. And yeah, it ultimately, it just didn't continue the highly successful formula of the first. It's just nowhere near as likable. And, and that's not to say it's a bad movie in itself. It's not bad, but it certainly isn't great. And um, given that Marvel have more and more competition coming up with you know, more DC movies and Disney acquiring Star Wars. To, you're to, to you're using... To, Considering how the DC universe and the Fox universe and that look like, you're using the word competition very loosely. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, they don't have the monopoly on the superhero market anymore. So I think the next movie really has to deliver. And to be fair, the trailer looks decent. So, all being well, it will live up to expectation. But Age of Ultron really left me wanting a, yeah. a whole lot more. Especially since, and I imagine this is going to appear in the top three here as well, a certain superhero movie came out this year and desperately tried to murder all superhero movies for everybody. I've got, I've got a good feeling that's on the list somewhere. <laughs> okay, so we'll move swiftly on to our official worst film of uh, 2015. By the way, Owen, in future, you really need to make this more than just three films. 
Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Three was not enough. <laughs> I, I actually ha I have my bottom 10 list here. Um, I have like 27 films in my 10 because one of them is share, like has like 13 sharing one slot. And I still have at least 15 films that would also have been but in any other year would have fit would have fit onto the list instead as well. That's how awful of a fucking year it has been. Okay, Carl, give us three because we don't have. The, per well, 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 the, personal, the personal bottom three are you wanting here? Is that is that? Yeah, well, any three you want to throw well, at us. The, well, the three I put in in my bottom three here were um, Entourage at number three, uh, Fantastic Four at number two. Although it really shouldn't be here because it's not even a fucking movie. And um, at one, I put me in on the Dying Girl. Although I have a feeling nobody else will. Because very many personal reasons we don't have time for here. But you can look forward to in a very excessively personal reveal <laughs> series of articles on callumpatch.com. Okay. I, I can't uh, make Phil, winking sound effects. Hit us up with your three worst of the year if you. Uh, it, it's so difficult to define what your criteria <laughs> are because a film just being rubbish, sometimes that's fair enough. Some films aren't very good. So to be properly the worst, they had to cause me some disappointment against expectation or personal grave offense. Yep. Um, so number <laughs> so three um, comes in the category of absolute disappointment and wasted opportunity and that's Tomorrowland which is such a mess yeah. of a film yeah. and yet had such potential and is in some places quite beautiful it, and yet it's just a mess they didn't finish the script before they started filming it, it physically hurts to say a bad bad bird movie like that is a phrase that physically hurts to say <laughs> but the, problem, the problem is of course is that it's not even really a story it's just two hours of bad birds standing there lecturing us about how we've all been very naughty people and we should be yeah. very ashamed of ourselves but it doesn't even explain how or why or that anyone's got any solution for that it makes no sense what i find most um, hilarious is the fact that tomorrowland spends two hours getting angry at us for our obsession with disaster, like with making disaster movies and that there into, a into an entertainment commodity. And then the very next week at the box office, it was beaten by San Andreas. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's amazing. Um, number two, um, Into the Woods. The You and I will be fighting, good sir. <laughs> it is so awful on so many levels. The casting is terrible. The morality is just a mess. And the songs are awful. And if okay. you're going to be a musical, that's kind of important to your shtick. Um, <laughs> but, oh, hated it from start to finish. Lovely. Can I just sort of interject with a confession at this point? Because I, I don't like musicals. There's very few that I like, and usually the ones I do like are funny ones. You hate like Joy, Owen. Is that what you hate? <laughs> <laughs> I hate joy and happiness and all all good things. But um, I watched Frozen, and it was all right. Frozen's oh fantastic. God. It's <laughs> fantastic. I'm waiting for Matt to just walk off the podcast now. Yeah, I don't know if I want to be associated. <laughs> uh, I'm joking, but it, it, it just doesn't appeal to me whatsoever and i don't get it didn't up, appeal to me i don't get the phenomenon of it. it 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 seems like every female ever lived adores it and that most men who seen it can't stand it but owen what the hell my, my nieces are obsessed with it they're four and two and it's the dresses the sticker books the coloring books the the pens the pencils that have got frozen on them it's um you know absolutely everything to do with frozen they love it and it was on E4 at the weekend, they were on Boxing Day, I think. They were just showing loads and loads of different things about Frozen. There was the making of it and 
um, how they composed the songs and why it was such a phenomenon and all this, that and the other. And my wife was watching it and she said, can we watch Frozen? I was like, oh, I don't think it's on Netflix. And is it on one of the international regions? So I had a look and I was like, yeah, it is. <laughs> so it's all... like, going like, oh, it's not on Netflix. It's a shame. We're never going to yeah. get to watch Frozen. <laughs> yeah. So we, we kind of we sat, down, we sat down to watch it. She was really looking forward to it. She's really into sort of animation stuff. Her degree was in digital animation. So she sort of looks at these things from... Um, oh, that's rendered really well. I'm like, is it? I just <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so we um, sat down to watch it, and I just thought, you know what? I'm trying to get on with something else, but it keeps distracting me. I keep looking up at it, and it's all right. It's okay. As a as a kids sort of fantasy film, yeah, it's great. It's pretty good, and I liked the ending. I liked how it ended. Yeah. I thought it was a very contemporary ending for a fairy story, a Disney princess story. Exactly. Um, if you want a film, if it's going to be this important to every child, um, and I don't think it is just girls, but certainly to every girl under the age of 10 in the country right now, let's have it have a good message, and Frozen really does. Let's give it, yeah. let's give it a good feminist message. There we go. It's no Ice Age, boys, I'm just saying. Well, it's, you I say, get fucked. What's your number one? Okay, number one was a film that elicits bile <laughs> in me, um, just thinking about its existence, Frozen. and that is Sean Penn's <laughs> The Gunman, Fun the stop, most horrific Fun. piece of hour and a half of misogyny. That's yeah, oh, all yeah. it is. It is just so hateful. Like, fucking like misogyny while Sean Penn just stands up going like, aren't I the greatest human being who ever lived? You're like, fuck off, Sean Penn. Aren't I a really good old man with really cool abs? Have, That's what yeah, he's like in that film. Just shirt off at every opportunity. That's one of the worst trailers for a film I've ever seen. Yeah. Matt, do you, have a, uh, do you have a bottom three or shall we just jump into the official bottom three? I'm just going to go for, for one because there was one that stirred my ilk more than, than anything else this year. And I had a good rant on the podcast about it back in February. And Fifty Shades of Grey, what a load of shit, <laughs> quite frankly. <laughs> stay, stay home, have a wank, save some money. Like that, that was exactly one scene in the entire movie, which was the movie I was promised, and that's why Christian Grey is staring out for a window at night and goes, I'm Fifty Shades of Fucked Up, which caused me and Jackson to burst out laughing in a cinema full of people who were taking it completely seriously. Yeah. And it's just boring. I, I basically got the cinematic equivalent of Blue Balls. So. Yeah, it's, it's a cinematic boring version of the red shoe diaries it's far from erotic and um, i would have done, i would have done the same as, as you Callum. i would have laughed out loud at almost everything that happened in the cinema if it wasn't for the fact that i was surrounded by a hundred women with michael kors handbags so i decided <laughs> that would not be a good way to go also had rita Orva trying to act which as evidenced by southpaw this year as well is something she should really try not doing ever again um Southport. no there's a film i was also disappointed with this yeah. this year Jake Gyllenhaal, oh, after Nightcrawler last year. Uh, oh. Anyway, yeah. can I just throw my worst film of the year in? Of course. People... It's one I think most people sensibly avoided um, because there was only one other person who, who voted for it, but it was The Ridiculous Six, the Adam Sandler film on Netflix, his Netflix original. It's on my bomb town list. It's as a technicality, terrible. As a technicality, mine, but it's still awful. It's a good chance I, I... Sandler would have two this year, wouldn't he, with Pixels? Pixels he had as well. Three. He had three with the Cobbler as well. That's more of a Thomas McCarthy movie as well, which makes me wonder why the fuck Thomas McCarthy still has a career. His films are making less and less money now as well, so hopefully this trend of just giving Adam Sandler whatever he wants is going to... After his, it's... like, three-movie deal with... Is it three or six-movie deal with Netflix? $60 million! 
Mm. Bong John Ho's getting 50 and Adam Sandler gets 60. 60 fucking million dollars! He hasn't been relevant for a very long time. I don't understand how he's but, employed. Anyway, so let's move on to our actual bottom three. Yes, please do, Owen. Have we got a uh, official rundown, please, from the voters? We do. I say official. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna make you three now the judge of what comes in third. Okay. Oh, it's, oh, it's wow. not tied. It's not tied. Okay, there is one that clearly has more votes for worst, <laughs> but it's United Passions. Are you trying to rig the system? Is that what you're trying to do? No, I I voted for this. I voted for United Passions, but I want you guys to be the judge because is it a British release in 2015? Ah, I see. No. no. It's not technically released in this country. In the same reason that Snowpiercer couldn't have been on the 2014 list or this year's list or any year's list because it's not been released. Do we keep it or do we drop it? What's the alternative? The alternative is Age of Ultron. Okay, wow. United worst Passions. film of United... the year. Oh, well, there's no way that Age of Ultron is one of the worst films of the year. Okay, that's <laughs> okay, just I, insane. I, I don't, I don't care that it breaks technicality. And I don't care that it's also not actually one of the worst films of the year. Just put United Passions on that. I'm, I'm not, I'm not standing for this shit. Okay, United Passions is in third okay. in that case. It's I think, definitive. I think we're all happy with that one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Fifth, by the way, was The Goodman. So, film. <laughs> oh, good. I'm very pleased. Although That's... disappointed that enough people have seen it. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> in second, the second worst film is Fantastic Four. It's not even a fucking movie. So. It's yeah. it's not it's 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 an it's a hundred minutes of 20th Century Fox waving their dick in Marvel's face, just going yeah yeah yeah. You can <laughs> It's a fucking Ashcan copy. They were expecting people to pay money to see. Thankfully, the people collectively told them to fuck off, so we won't be getting that sequel. I think the first half an hour is okay. No, it's not. I'm trying to work out what it's trying to do, and I think it's interesting enough to keep you hooked. And then after that, it's just like this is a fucking. Yeah. It's like mess. No, it's not. It's look if it had if it had characters. And a, spec- and a set tone, maybe some semblance of joy, wasn't clearly being rewritten by studio demands to put in all obvious terrible yeah. attempts at foreshadowing. If the much-vaunted body horror sequence, which takes 50 goddamn minutes to get to and is over in five minutes, wasn't so yeah. inadvertently hysterical. <laughs> and also if Miles Teller's attempt at facial hair wasn't so fucking ridiculous. <laughs> like a 12-year-old was trying to grow their first beard. Then maybe I would consider giving this movie some semblance of a pass. But it's all, it even makes Michael B. Jordan bad. And Michael B. Jordan is amazing. I have to agree that it's a terrible, terrible film. However, on my criteria for what gets in the worst films is about how much it confounds expectation. And I got the exact film I was expecting. <laughs> that was the thing for me. Everything running up to it told me that that's the film I was going to see. And then I saw it. And so I can't be disappointed with that yeah. because no expectations like were you brought, you brought it on yourself. Exactly. Yeah. I've got it, no one to blame but yeah. myself. It's Whereas Phil's fault. The other films. It's your fault, it's Phil. Yeah. Phil's yeah. Fault. Yeah. <laughs> if you had higher expectations, it would have gotten there. God damn it. But nope, it's on my list because it's not even because f- I don't even consider it a movie. And therefore, I've literally not seen a bigger waste of time this year. Because it's an active time waster. Tremendous. Owen, what was number one? So, number one was... Uh, now, I'm going to admit I didn't see this film, but Steve did. And just completely and utterly lambasted it on the website. He wrote a review. I believe you might have actually written our original review as well, Callum, for this. But it's Mordecai. Oh. Yes. Mordecai. That is the, the, the Johnny Depp uh, oh, British camp. Mordecai. Um, 
not, yeah. not Mogwai, Mordecai. Whoever said Mogwai. No, Mo- not Mogwai. Mogwai. The Scottish post rock band is not Oh, what have I done? Oh, God. Uh, this is um, bloody, what was Marmaduke yeah. all over again? <laughs> thought ba- Babadook. We were talking about the Babadook. Matt mistakenly thought we were referring to Marmaduke. I didn't mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but Mordecai is number number one, the, the, the Johnny Depp British camp comedy thing that is just apparently dreadful. If you want ideas to just how bad this year has been for me as somebody who's watched all films, Mordecai is only on my bottom 10 list because of a technicality. The same way Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 is only on my bottom 10 list because of a technicality. Any other year, those films would not be on, would be high up on my list. And proud this year, again, the only reason we're on here is because of a technicality this, this fucking year, honestly. Was, was Pixels anywhere in there as well, just out of curiosity? Someone voted for Pixels, yeah. Someone voted for The Lobster. We had votes for Spectre. We had votes for Magic Mike XXL. Fuck off! Votes for Inside Out. Okay, we shut had... up. <laughs> That's Callum dropping his mic. Yeah, we had... I quit. I quit. I can't deal with this. You people suck. <laughs> I tell you what, we I'm had... judging the listenership of this podcast. I'm judging <laughs> them hard right now. We had John Wick, which was voted for in <laughs> Worst Film as well. <laughs> well they, these they were all must picked. have been the only films that they saw this year. They only saw three <laughs> films, so by definition, they had to be the worst. Yeah, but the the actual three, just to recap, in third we decided is United Passions, second is Fantastic Four, and the worst is Mordecai. Let's move on to the top ten of 2015, as voted for by the Fail Critics readers and listeners on the podcast pretty keen <laughs> well, to, to find out what's going on here yeah okay before we start running through the list quick bit of trivia 25 people voted in total which is not bad for us that's pretty good uh and we had 89 different movies voted for whoa it's a lot that's a variety i think technically so you're gonna it's run down like 89 for us I'm going to run through 10, but I'm going to give you a couple of bits of trivia from from the voting to start off with. There were three films with one point, i.e. three films with one vote, and that one person who voted for it put it 10th out of 10. Oh, what were they? They were. Paul Field voted for Buzzard. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Uh, My wife voted for Coherence. She put that in 10th. Which is, if you look on IMDb, it's another one with 2013 as the date, but didn't make it to the UK till 2015. So that's fine. I've allowed it. And one person, Colin Free, voted for Still Life in 10th. So you said 89 films were picked here as well. 89 different films. That means a lot of people have got very low standards then. (laughs) That'd be me, probably. yeah, so I'm, 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 gonna, I'm gonna make my character now. I'm here as the snobby, aloof, like pretentious guy who was a wine glass and goes like, mm. "Yes, yes, your choice in films is shit, good sir." Okay, so the film that received the most number of votes but didn't feature in the top ten at all was Ex Machina. Ooh, mm. yeah, our top British film. Apparently, received... Britain's just not good enough. <laughs> it received more votes than three of the films in the top ten, actually. But everyone who voted for it placed it lower down their list. So despite receiving what is relatively a lot of votes, only one person put Ex Machina in their top three films. It's all about the ending. All about the Mm. ending. Yeah, so unfortunately, Mrs. Eight on the top ten 
entirely. So they're um, kind of the UKIP of the movie. <laughs> okay, okay. Let, let's not try and say that, you, that Ex Machina was as bad as UKIP, okay? Let's not compare the two. That would just go down a path yeah. that we don't want to travel. So there were a few films that were voted for in first place by only one person, uh, yet miss out on the top ten, such as The Lobster, Wild Tales, Mistress America, and Dear White People. They all received uh, a first top of the ten list. I am, I am glad people. somebody picked Dear White People. As the best put film it, of the year. That's as the yeah. best films of the year. No, no, yeah. uh, not the very best, but somebody at least put it somewhere. Again, it's a shame it can't make it on my list due to the whole of released in America in 2014 things. It's a great movie. Yeah. Mistress America, someone voted for first and someone else voted as the worst film of the year. I think it's going to be one of those. I, I, I'm, okay, now, now I know for a fact that Kyle Turner voted in this list here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, also a film called A Pigeon Sat on a Branch Contemplating Existence. That is the only film to be voted for as the best film of 2015 by someone that didn't receive any votes in any position from anybody else. Uh, David. That is the hipster award. Did, 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 David, hipster did, did David Ehrlich get involved here? Is that it? <laughs> a special award for A Pigeon Sat on a Branch Contemplating Existence there. There are three films in our top ten that nobody voted as the single best film of 2015, but they accumulated enough votes to make it into the top 10 list. Ooh. Uh, okay, via the process of elimination, now this might start revealing which films are possibly in the t- top 10, so I'll be brief about it. But some big names that surprisingly miss out, John Wick, Suffragette, It Follows, which were all popular votes, but not popular enough as it happens, Avengers Age of Ultron, and Spectre. Also both miss out. Gee, I uh, wonder what could possibly be number one. Yes, it's a mystery. <laughs> this is the um, least curious I've ever been about who's won a poll, I have to admit. Spectre, Spectre by the way, was uh, only voted for by one person. Okay, okay, now, again, now I know Kyle voted, okay. So we've got Ex Machina, which was the best British film, not in the top ten. And Spectre, second best British film, only voted for by one person in their top ten. Been a bad Bruce year. needs to up their game, yeah. Some big films to miss out entirely on any votes from anybody for top ten. There were no votes at all for Beasts of No Nation. No votes for... Oh, I quite like Beasts of No Nation. It was in my shortlist. Um, no votes at all for The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2. <laughs> Understandable, but I like it. But I think, again, I like that movie. But of course, it's not going to be for everybody. There we go. I've never been so bored with a franchise. Uh, let's, let's not get distracted here, okay? Let's, let's, let's move on. Argument. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's just yeah. say go watch Battle Royale and enjoy yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just three others then that were big films that missed out. The Walk, Crimson Peak and Minions. Minions, one of the highest grossing films of the year. Didn't get a single vote. People are going to look back on us in 20 years and wonder why we keep ignoring Guillermo del Toro movies when they're all brilliant. Uh, yeah, so let's move on to the actual top ten. Shall we? In 10th place, Jurassic World. I'd forgotten about the existence of that film. For being the second biggest grossing of the year, we've not mentioned it once in two and a half hours of talking about films of the year. 
Got in mind, it's my still the highest grossing of. The no, no, no. He's he he knows by the time we finish this thing goes up that Star Wars will have crushed it to death. So, <laughs> Jurassic Park was on TV on Boxing Day, and watching that made me realize, like, made it extremely obvious why Jurassic Park is a great movie and why Jurassic World is a terrible movie, but I still like anyway. Yeah. So it's only it's Jurassic World's one of two movies to have breached uh, one and a half billion dollars in 2015. You know what the other one is? Top of your heads? Furious Six, Seven, even. Furious Seven, yeah, 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 and it's the third highest-grossing movie of all time, until of course Star Wars catches yeah. up with it. I like Jurassic World in the sense that, like, it's a terrible movie, but good lord, is it ever fun? If nothing yeah. else, so I, Matt, I agree Matt... 100% with what Callum just said. It's not a technically outstanding film in in any regard, other than the fact that it's just fun. Yeah. It's silly. It's enjoyable. You can pick holes in it all day, no problem yeah. whatsoever. But I'm not going to say I got the overwhelming sensation I got when I saw Jurassic Park for the first time, but it, it kind of took me back there, at least briefly. I, I felt the same sense of excitement, at least flutteringly, throughout the film. It yeah. was great. It's fun. It, would, it would have been even better if they got rid of that annoying kid, you know, the, the youngest child. In you could say you could say that about the first Jurassic, about the original Jurassic Park movie as well. No, the, the first Jurassic Park is all about the, the kids, really. It's all about their sense of adventure. Oh, and, oh, and, the, and, the little, drag... and the little girl who, when she knows, needs to turn off a flashlight to stop the Tyrannosaurus Rex staying in her direction, instead just says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, over and over again, instead of actually turning it off. Yeah, but she yeah. was a hacker. She needs to keep the lights on. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so number nine in the list above Jurassic World is Birdman. So both this, actually, both this and Jurassic World had the same number of points and the same number of people who voted for it. But because... Jurassic World's highest placing in anybody's list was second, and Birdman received one first place vote. I put Birdman above Jurassic World. That's fair enough. Science! Mm. And I have a confession it was me who voted it top of my list. I was going to say, I thought that was. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a little bit of bias. How did I leave oh, I don't know if you missed it off yours. I did, so... yeah. It wasn't in my top 10, and it should have been. You did, you did, yeah. Avengers Age of Ultron was in the list, but Birdman wasn't. Yeah. Have, a, have a strong look at yourself. Um, <laughs> number eight. Number eight is The Martian, mm. which is the highest placed film on our list that nobody voted in their top three films. Oh. Nobody picked it in their top three films, but ten different people voted for it. As this is one, the one as film this year that I could have seen but chose not to see. It just didn't reach out to grab me unfortunately and also you watched like the last half decade of Ridley Scott films and and, yep. deci- and, and decided understandably you know what I'm good thanks yeah uh, Ridley Scott let's give it a, a miss yeah which, which, but, is, um, which is a shame because uh, Martian is actually his best film in ages and it's also really good and it's also, also really Matt Damon was a cunt and interstellar so that might yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he reprises his role to be honest yeah that's what I thought it would be like <laughs> yeah. so I fucking hated him in that yeah, but no, yeah. no, it's it's really good. It's really good fun. It's quietly progressive in terms of like having a diverse cast without actually making a big and a globalist theme without making a big deal out of it. It's very entertaining. It it uses that big budget, like the big budget has to create some gorgeous landscapes and special effects. It's it's yeah, it's twenty minutes too long. Definitely twenty minutes too long. But yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. It's good. It's good. Good on Ridley Scott remembering how to make a good movie. Shame that he's not going to make another one for a long while. And Phil, you were the only person of us four here who put it on your list. Um... So it crept number nine for me. I I think a part of that. I think if I was to watch it again, a big part of why I enjoyed it so much is because I wasn't expecting to. That Mm. was definitely. I had braced myself for 
this is going to be another Ridley Scott going through the motions affair, and it exceeded those expectations significantly. Whether or not it'll hold up to another listen, another watch, I'm not sure. So into seventh now, and Carol not quite making it to the top five. Callum, unfortunately, probably because but, probably because a it came out too like relatively late, and b it came out fuck all anywhere. <laughs> I don't think it's a film that's got a massively broad appeal. Either. See, I think it does because it's so classically Hollywood and so, like in the way that it um, handles romance. Like, yeah, it might be between two like you know, like two women, um, which you know will ruffle the heads of cunts basically. But um, like, again, but again, there's such like an, uh, an old-fashioned romanticism and like purity to the romance and the way it's handled out there, which makes me continually annoyed that the Weinstein's in America are refusing to just expand it nationwide. Like they could have a huge, mm-hmm. they could have a yeah. genuine hit on their hands out there, but instead they're just content to just let it stay in art house audiences for the entire time, which is insane to me. But, but, then, but, again, you, but then again, the Weinstein's nowadays only exist to steal bo- to steal Oscars from people, so of course they don't actually have any fucking <laughs> business sense anymore. Um, I haven't seen it yet. And obviously, Callum, you're a big fan. Would you agree that the trailer is really boring? I can I, I can't agree with you on that, uh, mainly because I watched that, mainly because I saw that trailer and immediately realised, "Yep, good lord, this movie is going to be romantic as shit, and I'm going to cry, and this is going to be everything I want." Please. So but that, what you're describing is what I want too, but I didn't get it from the. Yeah. I, I the trailer made it look too saccharine for me, and yeah. it, it, I it, think it's also I think there's also the fact as well the trailer tries to use like voiceover, like hints that there's going to be like narration for that movie. There is no narration for that movie. Don't worry. Right. So. Um, anyway, so yeah, I saw Carol. I liked it. Didn't vote for it. Why wouldn't? Don't why think didn't, it wouldn't be. Why didn't 20. you? It's perfect. It's just not my kind of film, basically. Uh, I, no, could, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. It's a very classical romantic drama. I just didn't. I, I, I don't like understand. It. Like everybody I've talked to who doesn't like it, seems to just be a sense of I recognise this is brilliant, but also either I was in the wrong mood watching it or this isn't for me. Yeah, I think I'm in that. This isn't really my sort of film, yeah. to be honest. But I, I, I get why. It's it's very well made. It looked great. Absolutely sublime performance from Kate Blanchett. Um, but yeah, in sixth place we've got. Now this is weird to me that this is so high considering what we've talked about with British films. But in sixth place is Kingsman The Secret Service. Yay! It's lower than Spectre and Ex Machina in British films, but more people pull it into their top ten movies. Again, my guess is that most people didn't realise it's a British movie. Like, like even though it's, you know, British act, lots of British actors out there, has British money, it's got that same sort of, like, scale that people probably expect it to be American production. So didn't consider it that way. Yeah, possibly. Mm-hmm. Also, Ki- the, also um... Kingsman is a lot of fun. Fuck all, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> it's the 22nd highest grossing film in of the year in the UK. As, um, that, that... as statistics go, that's pretty, pretty pointless. And it's the first in our top 10 that any of us voted for here. In our top ten, also, and I mean, I enjoyed it. I would quite happily watch it again. And I, I, again, I agree that it's a fun movie. It's just that, um, yeah, yeah, I just thought there were at least ten other movies yeah. released this year that were better than it. There were twenty movies that I thought were better this year, mm-hmm. because, but I, I really enjoyed it. Also, I preferred it when it was called Kickass. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we're done. We're done with the first batch. We're on to our top five. Any guesses? For what's going to feature next? Uh, in fifth place, Matt. 
Yeah, Matt, fifth, any any of the, the top five, which do you think is, is going to be the surprise or do you think they're all going to be pretty standard and predictable? I think we're going to get quite mainstream at this point. So I'm going to throw one out there that um, is going to be somewhere in the top five, uh, whether it's fifth or, or otherwise, but straight out of Compton, I think it's got to be in there somewhere. Yeah, it was a popular film. We'll see if it's in the top, top five. You, you Phil, tease. any ideas? You tease, sir. I hmm. think we're probably going to hit Sicario now. Sicario. 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 Name the sequels to the next Sicario movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Phil's going for Sicario. Callum, any ideas? It's probably Sicario. And incidentally, we laugh about the idea of Sicario sequel, but they're still trying to make one. So, wow. yeah. They can have a ticket sale off of me. <laughs> oh, well, I can reveal that in fifth, was Sicario. Well done, Phil and Callum. Not, that was a good guess. And both of you voted for it. Yep. Not not yeah. nodding head in appreciation. Oh, God, Sicario is so good. It really is. Uh, this wonderful, bleak look at like, having ideals and that there just being crushed by nature reality and how utterly fucked... Uh, like, trying to walk in with good intentions into a utterly fucked scenario and how it's impossible to change anything. But also... Because it stars Emily Blunt, like in the lead role Matt Bear, and specifically female role there, also works as a fantastic metaphor for like for female voices trying to get themselves heard in an utterly destructive and uncaring patriarchy as well. Just outstanding, outstanding movie. Interestingly, or perhaps not, interestingly in the way that Gary Lineker sometimes presents interesting facts on Match of the Day, which aren't very interesting, uh, it received uh, nine votes. One person voted it for first. Two people voted it in third place. Nobody voted it in second. I vote... didn't receive any second place votes. People loved it in first or they thought it was okay. No, no, they loved it or they really, really, really liked it, Owen. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but not enough to pull it second. Um, yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. Third place is not it was okay. Unless you saw, <laughs> unless you saw like three film, five films that year. Number three is just your it's okay moment. I suspect I would like it enough to probably put it in at number two, to be honest. Because Mad Max, I don't think will be topped for me personally, but everything else in my list was beatable. I think mm. so. Sicario okay. could and maybe will get in there once I've seen it. Can we, can I mention before we get on to the next intro here? I'm worried that we have not seen Inside Out yet. <laughs> I'm worried about that because it's not there. Let's see. In fourth place, Star Wars: The Force Awakens. <laughs> wow. Are you fucking kidding me? Nope. Fourth place didn't make the top three this year. Didn't you? Didn't you say that like a day ago on Twitter that only one person had voted for it at that time? Only one person had voted for it at that time. Since ten people have voted for it. <laughs> Yeah, my, my reason for waiting to see it were much more selfish, which is I wanted to go and see it without having to sit next to anybody. <laughs> You're going to no. wait for a very long time. No, yeah. I managed. I managed. Nice. You didn't go to a midnight screening dressed as a stormtrooper then? Does, does it surprise you to learn that I didn't? No. If only that you went as a Princess Leia. Oh, that wasn't, I wasn't expecting that. I feel like um, I should have gone to the thing dressed as a fucking Klingon or something. <laughs> like sat in the middle spent the entire time standing up going where's Spock <laughs> gone as a red shirt you'd have been out of there quick as a flash um, so there we go that was that was Star Wars so we're on to our top three it's fairly predictable I think whatever way that I worked out where the films would be like placement or not so I went first of all deciding on films with points I went for points film that you voted for in first would get 10 points second was nine points third etc etc you get one 
what I'm doing here. If I went by films by number of votes, it was still the same top three films, so the films that were chosen the most times. If it was by number of first places, it was still the same three films. So these are definitively the top three films of 2015. And, what about, and their eventual ranking is just arbitrary, basically. Yeah, wow. except for the top one. Oh. The top one was unmovable. Oh, okay. Or immovable. Unshiftable. It didn't, didn't move. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in third place, with the most number of points, was Inside Out. Jesus. I am glad I am glad it's here. And it was voted for by Phil. Yep. It was voted for by Callum as your top film of the year. And I voted for it as well. Where did you tenth. vote for it, Owen? Tenth. It was Fuck just off out of here. <laughs> it, was, it was right. It was a good film. Yeah. Like I said, the, uh, on first viewing, I wouldn't have put it in there. But it's only because I saw it again and thought, Ah oh, well, it's a, it is a really good film actually. Yeah, I wouldn't go and see it after those shit Sky adverts they did using it. Just put <laughs> me off entirely. Not that it was ever going to be a possibility. Phil, Phil, I feel like I feel like we need to do a hostile takeover of this podcast here. Uh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm with you. But like I say, it was also voted for in our worst films by one person as well. Would you believe? I'd like uh, to yeah, get that I'll on the podcast immediately. <laughs> yeah, Matt can do a spin-off podcast with them and, uh... <laughs> called Upside Down. <laughs> So we'll move on to our second choice then. And I think it's not a surprise for me to reveal what the top is going to be, particularly after I reveal, reveal that number two is Whiplash. And um, I was surprised when I checked to see who'd voted for Whiplash. Of us four, out of all of us here, only I voted for Whiplash. Breaks my technicalities, so therefore I couldn't vote for it. And I haven't seen it, which I'm yeah. deeply ashamed of. Yeah, so it came out in the UK on the 16th of January. I think I said the 18th earlier, but it was the 16th. And um, according to our voters, there's only one film released in the rest of the entire year that people liked more, which was... Nobody is um, on the edge of their seat. It's, it's, the tension it's, it's, was ruined by one film being markedly better than any other film by such a distance. It, you, 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 guys, you guys are talking about Terminator Genesis, aren't you? <laughs> it was straight out of Compton. No, sorry, Matt, it wasn't. It was Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, I, 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 I don't feel like we need to say anything now. It just, it just makes sense. And if it's yeah. a film, it just makes sense. So uh, it's a great yeah. podcast, guys. For, see you later. Voted for by all of us. Voted for by 16 people in total. Uh, with the, that was the highest number of votes from anybody. So there were still people who didn't vote for it. There's nine people who didn't oh, choose. Weird freaking idiots! <laughs> Pretty much swept up every category that we we chose, apart from documentaries because it wasn't allowed, or British film because it wasn't allowed. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it's a document about the human soul. Okay. Qualifies. <laughs> yeah. So are we happy with it being in first? Oh, predictable. Yeah, yes. Serving. Yes. There's never been a more uncontested first place in any of the award shows we've done in the last few years. It's just I think so it's from, the moment, from the moment it came out, I had a feeling this was going to be our top film. Yeah. I just thought the, the amount of people who were praising it, the amount of people who loved it. The breadth well, of the appeal, that's what it boils yeah. down to. Well, it's because yeah. we all watched it and we realised that cinema had peaked and was not going to get any better and that was just it. Mm-hmm. Cin- cinema has peaked. 
Mm. Then it yep. then it peaked again with Magic Mike XXL. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's <laughs> no, you peaked that one. <laughs> I peaked multiple times during that movie. I will have you know. But Mad Max Fury Road top, Whiplash second, Inside Out third, Star Wars fourth, Sicario fifth. That's not a bad top five at all, is it really? For a fucking that's asshole of a year, that was a pretty good list. I don't know. I, I could have easily sneaked Star Wars into my top ten, but chose not to, which is amazing considering how little I've actually seen in 2015. But it just didn't deserve to go in as far as I was concerned. Which which films do you guys think that you're surprised to have miss, hear miss out on then? Anything that you thought might have made the top ten but didn't? I don't know how a film that grosses over a billion doesn't get in the top ten, because that surely is enough of a vote in itself. Furious not, 7, you mean? Yeah, enough people saw yeah. it, and even if it wasn't the best Furious film in the last few years, liked it enough to go and see it probably more than once. But how does it not get in the top ten? I don't understand. That's so strange. Hmm. Does that mean we've got very snobby listeners? I didn't like it. I, I don't think you it. have to be that snobby to find Yes, but we also know that Owen doesn't like Joy, and that's why he doesn't like the Furious <laughs> movies. <laughs> uh, I'm not into soap operas either. So it's kind of. Uh... Oh, sorry, get get into watching professional wrestling, Owen. That's for soap opera. <laughs> yeah, not into wrestling, not into pantomime. Um, yeah, the fairness pantomime is hell. Okay, so there's nothing wrong with hating that. A lot of my choices were highly contentious purely because of the the few films I got to see. But out of the ones that I thought were a lock, one was Mad Max, and I thought the other one was straight out of Compton would have been in there because mm. everyone had really good things to say about it did good box office very well cast good reviews for O'Shea Jackson Jr I'm like okay that's that's in the top 10 but no nope blame, blame, blame the UK blame facts it's a UK audience that you're trying to get here we don't give a fuck <laughs> we don't give a fuck <laughs> Phil any surprises there because um, I know one film we haven't talked about at all was in your top 5 um, there's a yeah, there's a few that we've barely touched upon that I've got in there. Um, Selma was my number two. I'm disappointed that there's not more love for Selma because I thought that was amazing. Um, Steve Jobs I put in at number three. Um, my next choice at number four I know that is a bit contentious and I didn't expect it to get many other votes, but Pitch Perfect two I adore. Yay! Love a Pitch Perfect. <laughs> You're my favourite person. Give me a high five. <laughs> <laughs> and it follows is the other one and X Machina. They're the other two that I've got that didn't make the top mm-hmm. ten. So yeah, what's that? It's like half of my no, only four of my films made the top ten. Yeah, disappointing. I was I was disappointed. The voices was nowhere near. To be honest. Well, it's very, it's a very, very idiosyncratic taste, and I know I understand. Anyway. I, I understand. I'm just really disappointed that it didn't get there. Um, well, maybe it's on the Callum Page list of the best films of 2000. Yeah, you can find over right now. Yeah. Um, there were there were a couple on my list as well that I snuck in there, knowing they had no chance. Um, but the Salvation and Creep were also in my top ten. A Creep is a really good. I mean, an excellent low-budget horror film. If you like Creep, you should also check out Patrick Bryce's other movie from this year, which is The Overnight. That, that, um, that's very that's one good recommendation. Yeah, that's a really good um, film as well, and features Jason Schwartzman and Adam Scott together in one movie. Yeah, so there we go. That's the top ten, guys. I think we've said all we can say about it now. We've gone through all the films on there. I think we're we have, kind of happy with, with the placing of some of them. So we, we have said everything we can about all the films in 2015 and dragged what was supposed to be a 90-minute podcast out to a lot longer. So good job, everybody. Before we wrap things up, guys, is there any films that didn't make the top 10 that you would 
avidly recommend to our listeners that they should definitely check out from what you saw in 2015. Owen, do you want to take a stab at that? One film that I would kind of recommend people check out that we didn't have uh, appear at all in our in our top ten. I have just mentioned it, so I'll be I'll be quick. But creep. Mark Duplass's performance in there was also in my votes for top five actors of of 2015. Just outstanding performance from him. He really, well, as the title would give away, he's very creepy. It's good film and good performance. Cool. Uh, Callum, have you got one you'd like to recommend outside of the top ten? You can find my list at callumpatch.com. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> I'm going to use this opportunity just quickly um, shout out a film that nobody on this podcast has mentioned yet, but you should all watch it this first chance you can, which is Tangerine. Um, oh, I watched 10 minutes of it. Yeah. Film from uh, Sean S. Baker about um, transgender prostitutes and as, as they um, try and hunt down the woman, the cisgender woman who's been cheating on the lead character's um, fiance on Christmas Eve. It's, it takes a little while to tr- fully tune into because it can start very abrasive, but otherwise, it's a it's an incre- it's a very funny, surprisingly sweet raucous screwball comedy with Maya Taylor giving the kind of Colin Carr performance that you know what people should be giving in movies. So you know, kind of like one where they just turn up in their first role and just go like, "Hi, I'm here. You're going to want to see me in more things." And you go, "Yep, I do want to see you in more things." So yeah, give Tangerine a watch. It's also filmed entirely on an iPhone, wasn't it? On iPhone five S's, yes, mm-hmm. um, and it. Again, it looks fantastic and such. But yeah, again, you can find my full list at callumpage.com this week. Cool. Thank you for that. And Phil, how about you? Um, well, I, I ran through the ones that I put on there that didn't get on. Selma, I say, in particular. Uh, the other film that didn't quite make my top ten, but one that stayed with me nearly as much as anything I'd seen, but for a few minor details, um, was Chris Rock's top five. Yes! Okay. Um, which sort of just snuck out quite early on in the year and was a great film. And uh, yeah, so that nearly made on my list, um, except for one particular scene, which undermines the entire film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, good stuff. So I guess all that leaves to do is to thank everyone who participated in the vote. We really appreciate you taking the time to submit your favourite films and actresses and all that good stuff for 2015 even as we spent like the last two hours insulting your choices (laughs) (laughs) yes indeed and hopefully some of your favorites got in there so probably a little bit disappointed if you didn't but you should have created multiple email accounts and rigged it like everyone (laughs) so uh try or been married married to owen as well that's a good way to get favorites (laughs) yeah before we say goodbye we're just going to let everyone know where you can find each of us phil where can we find yourself and the Wiki Shuffle Boys? Well, every week we do the Wiki Shuffle podcast, and you can find us at wikishuffle.co.uk or follow us on Twitter at wikishufflepod. Um, and coming soon will be our um, Tumblr and Instagram accounts, which are going live on the 1st of January, and they'll be called Wiki Shuffle or something similar as well. Excellent. I believe you've got an interesting interview on YouTube somewhere as well. Oh, I have indeed on YouTube yeah. <laughs> somewhere um, is an interview that Owen did for us, so that Chris and I could get our ugly mugs on the television. Um, uh, or oh, YouTube doesn't count as television, does it? This is why they refer to me you as can, the old one. You can watch YouTube on your television, I guess. <laughs> There's no reason you can't. There's an app for that. Get a Chromecast. It's fine. Yeah. 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 Well, so if Callum, what's that? 
barely recognizable url that we can find all your good work at um you can read my rankings at campage.com you can also listen to screen one the film review radio show i do with myself and my friend lucy mia on mondays at 2 p.m on whole fire radio um or if you miss that you can catch it on the real radio dial which is west hall fm on tuesdays at 6 p.m this is, we've, we've been upgraded now today west hall tomorrow the world <laughs> yeah, uh, and also if you miss anything else you can, you can find older episodes over on Mixcloud, mixcloud.com slash callum dash patch I need to change that to dash screen one but anyways uh, yeah, you can find them all there go listen we do good stuff you do do good stuff particularly the written stuff it's, it's quite a read oh stop you <laughs> <laughs> so for myself uh, when I'm not being a failed critic you can find some of my work at retroasylum.com if you like listening to stuff about old video games and if you play FIFA Ultimate Team, check us out at foothead.com for the Foothead podcast. And Owen, do you want to dish out all the mentionables for failed critics? I've created a stinger for this particular podcast. It's already recorded. I did it ages ago. And it'll have lots of thanks to everybody who's been a part of failed critics over this year. Because genuinely, this has been our most successful year. So thank you to everyone who's either volunteered to come onto the podcast and given time for free. Nobody's paid to do this. I'm eternally grateful what? to everyone who comes on here. I think we've come to a misunderstanding here. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, are you, are you thanking... me expecting an invoice in the post? Yeah. Oh dear. Are you, are you, um, did you thank Danny Dyer as well during your thanks? Danny Dyer was huge. I mean, you, you, you joke, but I mean, his tweets about us and, and retweets were they made our, our Danny Dyer Corridor of Praise podcast the most downloaded podcast we've ever done. It's a new landlord of Queen Vicky now. I know. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, we love Danny Dyer. Of course we do. And Jonathan Sothcott as well, the film producer, who came on and talked about Danny Dyer's work. James Mullinger is doing Underground Nights with Paul Field, who's um, a very successful comedian in his own right. got his own TV show and won multiple awards and such. So it's been a very hectic year for Foul Critics, but... A, a, a great one, I think. I've been very happy with, with how it's gone and I hope that you will join us again to listen to us in, in 2016. Good stuff. Thanks everyone for listening and we'll catch you again next week. The Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, created by James Diamond, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com Remixed by James Yule of jamesyule.com. You can find us at failedcritics.com, on Twitter at failedcritics, and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash failedcritics. Thanks for listening. Hello listeners, it's Owen here. I know, weird, you normally expect a funny outtake or a pre-pod ramble to sort of pop up at the end of a podcast. Uh, Instead, it's just me. And I just wanted to say thanks to all of you for listening to our podcast over the past 12 months. As Steve has said more than once in the past, we'd probably continue doing podcasts even if you didn't download the show. But knowing that we've had over 23,600 downloads since switching to our new podcast host, Acast back in May. It kind of makes me feel like we're doing okay at this. So I thought it was only fair that I come on here and say thanks so much to all of you for downloading the podcast through 2015. 
Uh, if you've enjoyed any of the podcasts you've listened to, uh, and only if you've enjoyed them, then uh, leave us a review on iTunes. That would be fantastic. It would literally make my Christmas. Uh, yes, literally. It would literally do it. And when I next open iTunes and see a new review, it'd be like opening a brand new Christmas present. Uh, a late one. A late one. But that's okay. I'll forgive you. Uh, I'll be honest. I haven't got you anything in return. Uh, but thanks anyway. Thank you. So finally, I wanted to thank everyone who has appeared on the podcast in 2015, uh, mainly because when Carol quit the team in December 2014, so a year ago, uh, Steve and I were worried a little bit about how we would be able to continue Failed Critics on our own. And the idea that we eventually settled on was switching to a weekly rotation of guests who could join in whenever they were available. And uh, somewhat unbelievably, by doing this, we've not only had our most successful year since we started Failed Critics back in 2012, but we've also managed to put out a podcast at least or at least one episode every week throughout the whole of 2015. And I find that quite amazing that we've managed to keep that up. And that is in no small part to the time that those people have given to our little podcast for free. So it seems as though the least I can do for them is to thank each of them on the podcast. Um, so I'll start by saying thanks to Matt Lamborn, Callum Petch and Phil Sharman for joining me on our end of year awards show this evening. Uh, I hope you liked listening to it. I also wanted to thank James Diamond, of course, for setting up Fail Critics in the first place and then for handing the reins over to me when uh, he needed to step down. So thanks, James. And of course, I'd also like to thank Andrew Olcock, Tony Black, Andrew Brooker, Paul Field, Chris Haig, Matt Latham, Nick Lay, Liam, uh, just Liam, no surname, Jerry McCauley, James Mullinger, Carol Petz, Brian Plank, Mike Shawcross, Jonathan Sothcott, Jack Stewart, Holly and Richard Tronston, Jackson Tyler, Escobar Walker, and Chris Wallace. And I'd also like to say thanks to James Yule for remixing our theme tune for free. He did that for free. Isn't it amazing? From episode 150 onwards and to Andy McLeod of Incompetech.com for supplying the theme tune in the first place. Um, Royalty free. And of course, last but not least, thanks to Steve Norman for continuing to host the show. It wouldn't be the same if it was just me. Nobody, literally nobody would listen. So thank you very much, Steve. And um, that's it. There's other people I should thank, I suppose, but uh, you're no doubt sick of hearing me talk about it now. So, uh, cheerio. Thanks very much and have a happy new year. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 